This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa To another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys, Owen Eric Carlson and their Keeper Pools. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and with me is once again not Brian Com. He is still on paternity leave, but instead, we've got Cam Robinson, prospect expert, Dauber Hockey executive editor. Here he is. Welcome, Cam, once again. Hey, thanks so much for having me again, uh, Elon. Good to be back. Yeah, last week was such a good show. I felt like you're like a natural. You just come on in. You, you you had the ghost of Brian Com in you or something. You knew about every single player. <laughs> the ghost of Brian. I'm sure he appreciates hearing that, hey? <laughs> He's still, well, I don't know. Once you have a kid, I assume you're like not the same person, right? It's going to be a new Brian that comes back. It's all over for him. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I would love to even know what you were like before you had your kids. Yeah, completely different. <laughs> uh, also, I said executive editor. I don't know, you're some fancy editor at Dauber Hockey. What's your official title again? Uh, Dauber Hockey Associate Editor. Managing Editor at Dauber Prospects. Damn. Yeah. You know your stuff. You're running that site. It's a fantastic site. Let's mention we are presented by DauberHockey.com, which is where Cam is keeping it going. And there's daily ramblings every day. You've got all the amazing tools, all these articles, fantastic website. Uh, if you're like playing fantasy hockey and you actually want to win your league, you probably should already know about DauberHockey.com. You should probably be checking it out every single day using their tools to prep. Like I use my the tools to prep this podcast and also obviously to make my fantasy hockey decisions. It's a great site. Check it out. DauberHockey.com. But okay, Cam. We've got a lot to talk about this week. A lot of injuries, outjuries, some roster moves, including a big signing over in my hometown, which people hate when I say that. I'm from Ottawa, but I consider my home to be Toronto. I'm wearing my Leafs shirt today because we've got a new signing, a player coming back to the fold. Of course, you all know it's William Nylander. They waited right to the very last second and then signed him to a six-year contract extension with some fancy maneuvering to keep the cap hit under seven million dollars so they can have room to hopefully sign matthews and marner for next year so it's looking like the leafs did the best they could and now they're going to have nylander long term there's probably a ton of podcasts that are going to talk about the signing and if it was a good move and how, uh, the contract so we're not going to get into that we got to talk about the fantasy impact here because there's a lot but let's start obviously with the man himself william nylander He's now played two full seasons where he put up 61 points in each, playing mostly with Austin Matthews. So 61 points, 
that's like solid. That's good. But it's not as if he's like super amazing. Like he hasn't hit that awesome potential that people were expecting. Like I've been getting tweets asking, oh, should I drop this guy for Nylander, this guy for Nylander? Like he's going to play with Matthews, right? But it's like he did play with Matthews last year. He got 61 points. It's good. So I'm curious to get your take, though, because he's still really young. Assuming he gets back with Matthews at even strength, do you expect this like 61 points that he had last year to be his floor moving forward with room to grow? Do you have any concern about him maybe not being able to find a way onto that stack top power play, which currently is occupied by Kadri, Marner, Matthews, Tavares, and Morgan Riley? That's like a, a tough group of players to have to ha- bump one of them. So yeah, what's your take on William Nylander now that he's signed? What do you think he's going to do for the rest of the season? Yeah. All right. Lots to unpack there. I'm uh, first, I just want to go on record to admit my man crush on Kyle Dubas. I'm just a huge fan of this guy. He seems like, yeah, like I want to sit down and just hang out just have a beer. Um, I love that he turned kind of a bad situation into a win. There's no way him and Nylander were sitting there at 455 Eastern, just waiting to, to sign this contract. Like they had it done and they were just watching Twitter explode, just kicking back and enjoying themselves. Um, you know, he weaponized the current cap space this year. Uh, to save like 600k in years two to six i love it it's genius um and i also love that he jumps on twitter there and throws like a couple of barbs at never in doubt you know um but so so on to on to nylander uh you know i think his floor is about 60 points which is good um i don't think he steps onto that top power play unit i think that he becomes the linchpin on the second unit um so like you know a guy we were talking about a lot last week nikolai ehlers that it's going to diminish his top end production so you put nylander on a team where he's getting, you know, he's playing with a player like Austin Matthews at five on five and he's getting that deployment on, on the top power play unit. He could be a guy who puts up 80 points. Um, but if you're not getting the, the ton of power play deployment that, uh, that the first unit offers and, and that one in Toronto is just deadly. So they eat up a lot of the time uh, that's going to hold him back a little bit. So, you know, I, I'm looking at him. He's probably going to be a little bit rusty as he comes back in, even though he's skating and working out over there in Europe. So he's probably going to have, a, you know, maybe he'll be running on adrenaline and jump in and get a few points, but uh, ease him back in. And then I'm looking at him to play at a 60, 65 point pace. Um, you know, so Matthews is kind of on another planet right now. The guy's scoring a goal a game. So you, you slide him onto that line and he's going to get some nice even strength production. Um, but yeah, you know, if people are going to go nuts and, 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 you know, trade him for a guy like Pasternak or someone who's a proven 75 plus point guy, then hopefully you're on the other end of that trade. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So you're basically saying if, you know, you're in a league, you happen to be smart enough to grab Nylander in your draft and somehow Yahoo let him be on like O status as opposed to NA. So he was eligible for IR plus spots, which wasn't really fair, but obviously no one was complaining if they drafted Nylander. Now you have him. Sounds like Cam, I kind of agree with you. He's probably going to be decent, but if you could trade him for like a Pasternak or some super high-end guy, find some big rabid Leafs fan in your league, you might be able to get quite a haul for him while the excitement is like so high right now. Like he's been all over the news for the past week, everyone's thinking about Nylander. He might be a little bit overhyped at this point. So very interesting. And obviously we'll keep track with how he's doing. Check back in on him in, let's say, a couple, two, three weeks. Uh, of course, with Nylander coming back, and we're assuming he's going to get on that top six with Austin Matthews, that means someone has to get bumps. So yesterday the lines were, as they've been for a while, Tavares with Marner and Hyman, and then Matthews with Marlowe and Kasperi Kapanen. So is it fair to assume that Kasperi Kapanen will be the odd man out falling to line three to play with Nazem Kadri and I guess you know, like Andreas Johnson or Connor Brown, like some third piece on that line. Like, because Kapanen, he's been like such a solid free agent ad for anyone who grabbed him early on in the season. 
like he has 18 points in 27 games. It's a 55 point pace, which actually, as I say it, it's like not even as impressive as what people have been talking about him as. I guess he's slowed down a little bit, but still, solid 55 point pace, pretty good for a free agent pickup that wasn't even drafted. Though, if now if he gets bumped, does he instantly become a snoozer in most leagues? Like, should people be already planning to drop Casper Captain or try to trade him while he still has some value, or is there a chance? that maybe he doesn't get demoted maybe something weird happens is he worth holding on to just to see how things shake out uh yeah i'd be sitting i'd be waiting to see what happens obviously before you make that move um with Kapanen, you know he has been playing pretty well this season and you know that 55 point pace also without matthews for a month which is a huge chunk of, of the season already so um he's been you know putting up some points away from matthews and then obviously his his production numbers look better early in the season when Matthews was healthy. And then now the quick little stint that he's been back. Um, I do expect him to be the odd man out. Um, he kind of fits the mold of that checking line to drop down and play with Kadri and Janssen um, a little bit better than Patrick Marlowe does. So I, I expect him to slide down there. That's, you know, a pretty talented line, but they're going to be deployed against all the other team's top um, offensive players. So he's, he's, he's going to be starting in his own end a lot if that's where he ends up. Um, and then he's obviously not on the top power play unit either. Now, as I said before, Nylander coming back, going to be the linchpin on that second unit. That's going to help out Kapanen as well. It's going to help out Marlowe on the power play. That second unit should have a little more cohesiveness, and, and you know, Nylander's a great player in that regard. So, um, you know, he's not dead in the water if he gets dropped to that uh, to the third line, but yeah, he, he's probably looking like a snoozer. There is a chance, sorry, um, there is a chance that it's Marlowe that moves down or that they bounce up and down, you know, as, as we go. So, um, you know, if he does get thrown onto that third line, keep him on a watch list, see if he's bumping up, maybe another injury arrives or if Hyman goes cold or something, crazy things can happen. So he's one to watch anyways, even if he falls to that third line. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I, I forgot to mention, you're right, like a lot of Kasperi Kapanen's non-productive times was when Austin Matthews was injured. And we haven't even mentioned a huge outjury this past week. Austin Matthews is back. He returned from his shoulder injury last Wednesday. Three goals and one assist in two games so far. So obviously he doesn't have any rust on him. He's up to now 13 goals and seven assists for 20 points in 13 games on this season. A goal per game plus throw and seven assists. This guy, what a stud. Honestly, like I don't really have much to ask you about him unless you want to drop a hot take that he's actually not that good which i can't imagine you will i feel like we could just move on from austin matthews obviously you want to have any player playing on his line yeah confirmed good at hockey austin matthews yeah i mean we could get into like how good how does he compare to mckinnon whatever let's save that for i don't know end of the season stuff uh one final leafs question though there is one player that has not been doing very well lately and i actually saw him dropped recently in uh, one of my leagues like a couple the keeping carlson ultra patriot fantasy leagues is a serious league with smart players and jake gardner just got dropped his assist yesterday versus minnesota was his first point in seven games overall he has 11 points in 27 games on the season so clearly he's like hurting from this change from last year because last year the Leafs had two even power play units this year they have that one big stacked one and if see or maybe you could give other reasons but I know that's one reason that jumps to my head of why Jake Gardner hasn't been doing as well as he did last year like last year had 52 points like he was a super relevant fantasy contributor this year he's been doing nothing do you see him bouncing back to fantasy relevance at some point this year or is it time for other people to be letting go should I not be rushing to grab him in the cuffle and putting down a big fat bid I don't know if you guys should even trust me talking about dropping, you know, power play defenseman after what <laughs> I speak with Clefbaum. But um, no, so, you know, he's on the second power play unit last year and the year before that, you know, he was getting good chunks of time on the top unit too. So Riley wasn't locked in there a hundred percent of the time, even last season when he put up 51 points um, or 52 points, whatever it was. But uh, so this year, you know, his power play time on ice is about the same through 25 games. Um, he's shooting less. He's converting on less than he was last year. 
Um, his individual points to his IPP is pretty low. So last year it was, I think, above 50%. This year it's around 30, 35%. Uh, so when he was on the ice and the team was scoring goals, he was getting in on that action last year, um, you know, about 15% more than he has been this year. So that's going to, that's going to, you know, it's going to add up, especially over the course of the season, if that doesn't rebound up to, to you know, closer to 50. So um, he is getting a little bit, you know, dare I say, bad luck in that regard, or he's not really driving the play to be involved in those offensive situations to get himself those points. Um, his PDO is really high too. So that's a product of how good Freddie Anderson's been. So he's got that high, uh, high uh, save percentage. Yeah, yeah. yeah Don, I say percentage is really high when he's on the ice, but um, and he's getting some bounces that way. But uh, so, you know, you might see that regress a little bit too. So I'm not buying Gardner anymore. Morgan Riley is the man on that top unit. He drives the offense from the back end. Um, you know, Gardner can still chip in and be a guy who puts up 30, 35 points. I think that's totally realistic, but I didn't really buy into him being a 50 point guy last year. I think it was a bit of an aberration. So uh, yeah, if you got better options on the wire, uh, I'd, I'd be making the swap. Yeah, it's very interesting. Like, I guess we already forget, like Morgan Riley, like you say, wasn't the main top guy in Toronto. There were so many years where we were like, why isn't this guy getting power play time? I remember, I remember there's a stretch where he wasn't getting on the first or the second power play unit. But yeah, now Morgan Riley seems pretty entrenched and that obviously has hurt Jake Gardner. So yeah, I don't know. I think I'll let my other competitors in tier two, Kukupful, Ottawa division, take a crack at Gardner, blow their fab. I think I'm going to leave him for now. I just grabbed uh, Adam Larson on the Oilers, who's great for those peripherals, reliable. I don't know. I'll stick with him for a little bit, but okay. So that's it for Leafs talk for this episode. Very exciting. It's going to be fun to watch these games once Nylander comes back for sure. Next, let's talk about another type of roster move that happens sometimes in the NHL, which is a trade. We had a trade last week, which is pretty rare at this time in the season. But Chicago and Arizona pulled off, to me, I guess, was a shocker. Like, I didn't see this coming. Uh, The Coyotes sent Dylan Strom and Brendan Perlini to the Blackhawks for Nick Schmaltz. So let's start in Chicago. So Strom and Perlini have both found their way into the top six. These were the line combos yesterday. They had Taves with Saad and Perlini, and then Patrick Kane with Debrinket and Dylan Strom. So Dylan Strom, obviously the big piece here coming to Chicago. He's a former third overall pick. He's had no fantasy relevance, though, in Arizona in the couple of years that he can't even stick on the team for a whole season. Now he finds himself, though, in a great spot. Like, if you were to tell me, you know, going into the season that Dylan Strom's going to be playing with Patrick Kane and Alex Debrinket, I'd be like, sign me up for that guy. And, hey, he had a first great first game for Chicago, one goal and one assist in his debut versus Vegas on Tuesday. Nothing in the two games since. Is Strom someone you're targeting out of free agency in a one-year league? Like, if he hasn't been added yet, if he was a free agent all year, is he someone you would be jumping on if you had the chance? Like, you know, as far as streaming goes... Chicago plays Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Next week, so you could potentially get four games out of him. And I'm also curious to know, Cam, because you play in one of these dynasty leagues where people care so much about prospects. Is he one of these like highly valued, touted prospects that he's like been owned forever? Like, yeah. What are your general thoughts on Dylan Strobel, like one year context and dynasty? Yeah. So he he's been owned since he was drafted in my league. Um, I had that pick that was going to be drafted for him, and I flipped it. I couldn't tell you what I got in return, but probably something a lot better than Strom's been doing the last few years. Um, but yeah, so his, his, his value has kind of gone up and down, obviously, with the ebbs and flow in his game. Um, so he's moved hands a couple times in my leagues. But uh, I'm interested in him in a one-year league because um, if you're playing with Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkat, that's a good spot at five-on-five. Five. Um, and those are two guys that can put the puck in the net and Strom knows how to pass. So that should, you know, in in reality, that should produce some points for him. He is playing on the second power play unit, but right now Patty Kane's playing on both units. So, you know, if you're, if you're getting exposure to Kane in all situations, again, I like that a lot. 
Um, if your league counts plus minus, I'm probably not super interested. I think he's like a minus five the last couple of games. Chicago's not a very good team. Um, he's probably going to put up some really stinky uh, plus minus numbers. But uh, in a keeper, I think he still has the upside. He's not an elite asset. I uh, We're doing a, a kind of a, a prospect skater ranking on Dauber prospects right now. I wish I had it up in front of me, but I think I ranked Strom, you know, in the mid-teens for for forwards and, and defensemen, guys that are still considered prospects, and I'd still consider him one at this point. Um, yeah, so I, I think he's got some upside. I'm not sure if he's still got that, you know, 70-plus upside that people were hoping for even as, you know, close as a year ago. But I, I think he's still a good player and in a good spot, so that's that's huge. Right. And I guess owners of Nick Schmaltz previously can tell you that there's no guarantee that Dylan Strom stays on that line. Like Chicago shifts those lines around so often. But hey, like I said, four games next week. Though, of course, when you're making a stream, make sure that you actually have room for the guy because those are busy days on Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday next week. So you don't want to add him just to be on your bench. Uh, then you have Brendan Perlini that goes to Chicago. Probably not much here. He's paced for around 30 points in a couple of years with the Coyotes before this one. No points in three games so far with Chicago. Only one shot. Decent deployment, though, you know, playing with Taves and Saad. But I can't imagine you're going to recommend adding him, right? Yeah, no, not really. I don't consider Jonathan Taves a, a much of an offensive driver. Uh, that's always been, quote-unquote, the top line in Chicago, and it never has been. It's whatever Kane line is. Um, so that doesn't excite me so much. Uh, and he's not seeing any power play action. So, um, yeah, not, not so interested in Perlini. Okay, and then since we're on Chicago, I was going to say, I wrote this yesterday, if you need D, maybe take a look at Eric Gustafsson, who has three points in his last four games. He's been manning the top power play recently with Kane, Taves, Saad, to bring like a good top power play. But I just saw on Roto World, like right before we started recording, that apparently he's a healthy scratch tonight. And uh, Jan Ruta is coming in instead of him. So who knows with this Chicago team? I guess you can't rely on a stream. I thought Gustafsson, maybe, you know, he'll like whatever, get scratched today and then come back and play four games next week and get another three points. I think it's possible, but hard to really recommend someone who's getting scratched today. Yeah, for sure. I, I saw that note and then you edited it and I was, you know, I was saying, yeah, grab him, Gustafsson. That sounds good to me. The top defenseman on that power play should get some points and never mind if he's not in the lineup. Um, so it, it is surprising that Duncan Keith has kind of been banished from that top unit. Um, you know, he is aging, but really, do they have a better option on the power play? Like they need they need somebody who can wield the puck and gain entry into the zone or give it to, to Kane to go ahead and get entry in the zone and then be able to distribute around. So it's not like they need him out there doing a bunch of crazy things. And, and for my money, Keith is still the best option on that power play. So um, I was thinking with the coaching change, maybe that he'd get some more looks up there, but it hasn't happened yet. And so right now it's just um, I wouldn't be committing to anyone on that uh, on that blue line right now. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised in four games next week. Maybe we'll have one game where Seabrook's on the top power play, one with Yoki Haru, one with Keith, one with Gustafsson. They'll just spread it around, and we'll see one of them will have a good game, and it'll be really hard to predict. Uh, okay, so then Arizona, they get Nick Schmaltz, who's fitting very nicely in the three games he's played so far. All wins, by the way, for Arizona, so that they're on a streak right now. Schmaltz had three shots and no points in his first game on Tuesday, but then one goal and one assist versus Nashville on Thursday, and then two assists and five shots in the big 6-1 win over the Blues yesterday. Plus, Schmaltz is slotted in also into a really nice line playing with Clayton Keller and Alex Galchenyuk at both even strength and on the top power play so right now if I'm picking the guy I want in fantasy of the people involved in this trade give me Nick Schmaltz he's 10% owned in Yahoo 
62.5% owned in the 16 couple divisions. Thanks again to Marcus, our amazing patron who put together a list of all the players and their percentage owned in the couple, which you guys must realize that's a real percentage owned that you can trust, right? Because this is a league, 16 divisions, all really smart people. So yeah, a lot of them own Nick Schmaltz. And I feel like in your league, if it's reasonably deep, I really like the situation he's in. We just talked last week about Clayton Keller and how you can't said you still believe in him. So you're probably going to be into Nick Schmaltz at least a little bit. Yeah, I've, I like Nate Schmaltz. I've liked him since his days, you know, passing the buck to Besser at North Dakota. Um, he's, he's got great vision. I think he's, he's a smart player, an offensive player. Um, and I, I obviously like him in that spot on the top uh, top line, top power play unit in Arizona. Um, he's even maybe rejuvenated Keller a little bit too. Kind of got him excited. I don't know if you saw that move that Keller pulled off last night, just a filthy dangle and then another one to set up uh, Gulagasi. Um, so yeah, I like Schmaltz. Uh, if he's on the wire, I'd definitely be taking a chance on him. Again, you're looking at a top-line center who's playing, you know, getting all the prime deployment, and he's being exposed to Clayton Keller, who's the best player on that team. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I'm on board with uh, getting Nick Schmaltz if you can. All right, so we're going to get a lot of depressing players later on as we go through players who are really disappointing you. So if you are looking at making a change, keep Nick Schmaltz at the top of your watch list for her for sure, or maybe add him. And yeah, Clayton Keller, one goal and two assists yesterday, just like you predicted last week. You did a good job, Cam, because people were wondering, is it time for me to consider dropping Keller, obviously in a shallower league? But you said, hold on, and look at this guy, doing well, three goals and two assists in his last four games. Yeah, I did see that play with Alex Goligoski. That was wild. But okay, yeah. since... <laughs> I tried to uh, trade for Keller after last week after I was telling you that he, he's not uh, he's not washed up yet. Uh, didn't work for me, but just thought I'd let you know. I was trying to put my money where my mouth was too and see if I could buy low on him before he blew up and no dice. I know the thing with you, Cam, is like you post your trade sometimes on our Facebook group. It seems like for you, you need a real win. Like it, these trades you show us, you get like so many assets for your like one asset that happens to be hot. So I can imagine it's hard for you to agree to pull the trigger because you must always think you're going to get a better offer. I don't know what's going on in your league, but it looks fun. I have high expectations. Yes. Yeah. And you're doing well. Okay. So since we're on Arizona, though, uh, you're a good guy to have here because you know about prospects. Who is this Aiden Hill character who's come in with Ranta and Camper injured? And he's been phenomenal. He stopped all 29 shots versus Nashville on Thursday. He shut out Nashville. What? Who does that on his first game? I mean, they do have some injuries. We'll get to that. But then he again had a good game yesterday, stopped 25 of 26 versus St. Louis. So uh, Ranta should be back next week. Uh, but is Hill someone people should still pick up and grab and think that maybe he can continue this like, or maybe at least stay as the backup though. Interestingly, Arizona signed Calvin Pickard off of waivers. So I'd imagine they did that to have him on the team. So is Aiden Hill someone that's like, thanks for the production, but you're going to the minors very soon. Or is he someone that you think could actually be worthwhile holding right now? Um, I imagine since they grabbed Pickard that he'll get a chance to play a couple of games while these injuries are going on. Um, Aiden Hill, he came up actually last season and played a handful of games too. Uh, as a 21-year-old and, and didn't do so well. Arizona wasn't a very good team, obviously. Um, but no, he's looking good. He's six foot six, so he's a big netminder. Uh, you know, 22-year-old, he's got some some pretty decent numbers in the American League. I think he's more along the lines of that when everyone's healthy, put him in the minors and let him play a bunch of games because he's, he's someone who has some potential long-term. So um, rather than putting him on your bench behind Ranta. Now, if he is lights out, uh, you know, maybe he does. Maybe they do end up waving uh, Kemper and, and, and Picard at the end of this or Pickard. Uh, but yeah, I imagine he's probably just kind of here for uh, a good time, not a long time. 
That makes sense. And yeah, though, it is kind of concerning with Antti Ranta. He seems to be injured all of the time. Like, so even if Aiden Hill gets sent down, keep your eye on him because the way he's playing the next time Ranta gets injured, you might want to be the first one to jump on Aiden Hill. Cause I'll tell you, like when I saw that he was, I have Ranta in one of my leagues, I stashed him in IR plus I could have added Aiden Hill right then, but I thought, oh, they're playing Nashville. Like he's going to get destroyed. Like, why would I want to add this guy? Someone else added him. He got a shutout. So. Hard, so hard to predict these goalies. And, and at that point, Arizona hadn't won three games in a row. They were on a stretch of losing. So everything's shifting around. It's Nick Schmaltz. He's there. Everything's different. Uh, okay. So uh, that's it for some, a couple of roster moves. Let's get back to out juries here. So I talked about Austin Matthews, but he's not the only big name to return last week. Last week was a very exciting week for fantasy owners who've been waiting a long time. And especially for this player who hasn't played yet all season until he finally returned on Tuesday. And that is Shea Weber, who finally had his debut for the Habs on the season. He had one assist in the 2-1 loss to Carolina. And then yesterday he exploded. He had two goals, five shots, and the 5-2 win over the Rangers. He also threw four hits in that game. Montreal is playing today, I believe, against San Jose. It's just started. So maybe we could check in a little later and see how that's going. But yeah, now that the Habs can actually score, it's a very interesting situation for Shea Weber to be coming into. Like anyone who drafted him, Sashman IR, they're definitely loving themselves right now. Like he was already a multi-category league stud. Even back in say like 2016-17, he had 42 points in 78 games, which is decent, but not so great. But he also racked up the shots and the hits and the blocks and the power play points. So he was really worth owning. But now, like I said, that, that the Habs can actually score. Do you think he can get back to the 50 plus point pace defenseman that he was back in Nashville for the rest of this season? Like how high should we be expecting Shea Weber to produce yeah i think he can definitely play at a 50 point pace for sure he's proven that countless times in the past um you know he, he had a, a pretty decent year when he when he's healthy he can put up decent numbers especially if the team around him is doing well which they are obviously so uh they're a rejuvenated offensive team uh they've been putting up points with him on the shelf and you know that cannon of a shot on the power play is a serious serious weapon so uh they have some good playmakers they can set him up and he can just blast away so uh, disappointing for Jeff Petrie, obviously, but uh, for Shea Weber owners, I think, I think for sure, if he's healthy, he's one of these guys that can fill the categories and put up, you know, some high point totals as well. So, uh, yeah, if if you've been sitting them all season, good for you, um, and don't be looking to buy them now because whoever's had them, they're they're not uh, looking to sell at this point. Yeah, yeah. So not a Nylander situation where now we're saying, like, get into the hype and get rid of Weber. Like, Weber, I think, is going to be able to produce and do well, and especially, yeah, in your multi-category leagues. And not to say, by the way, I don't want to keep throwing shade at Nylander. He's going to be good, but just, like, the way people are talking about it. But, okay, we talked about that. But, yeah, you did mention Jeff Petrie, who, yeah, he's the one who takes the biggest hit with Shea Weber returning. He loses his top power play spot. He's seen his overall ice time decrease in the two games since Weber returned. Petrie started the season with 17 points in 21 games, such an amazing pace, but he's now pointless in five, and now with Weber back, does Petrie simply go back to being the sub 30 point guy he was before taking the helm last year? Or have we seen anything to indicate that he can still be fantasy relevant? Like just aside from his peripherals, like he's still great for peripherals. He had six hits and three blocks in his last couple of games. We're still good there. But do we think there's a chance he could still keep up putting these points or does he just not have any space to do that now that Weber's back? Yeah, it's it's obviously going to be a big hit to his point totals for sure. Um, so he's still, he, he is an offensive guy. I, I think he can get some some even strength production as well. Um, maybe this kind of long stretch as being the offensive defenseman on the team, maybe has given him some more confidence too, even though he's a, a bit older of a player, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's, if he's not snoozing now, he's going to be snoozing. So, um, at this point, yeah, your opportunity to sell high on him was as the whispers were coming that Weber was, was going to return. So, uh, you know, at this point you can hold on for another week and see if he's got any juice at even strength, but yeah, I'd be looking at making that swap if, if there's a better option. 
Yeah, it's a bummer. So if you have Petrie in your league and you're thinking of dropping him in, send us a tweet at Keeping Carlson. Maybe share your top uh, defenseman free agents available, and we'll let you know if we think that you should drop Petrie. Obviously, share your categories because he still has value in these leagues that count as peripherals. But yeah, the points are definitely not going to be going while Weber is there and doing well. Uh, so since we're on Montreal, there was another outjury, obviously a lot less fanfare than Shea Weber, but Paul Byron returned yesterday after missing a month. He picked up an assist, uh, five hits, two blocks, so like also great for the multi-category leagues. You may not recall, but at the start of the year, like Paul Byron was a guy who was getting picked up in a lot of leagues. He was super hot to start the year. He had seven points in 11 games before going down to go along with, uh, you know, all these decent bangers, accoutrements that he was providing along with his points. So he's come back. He's on line three with Kotkaniemi and Lekkanen yesterday. No power play time. So definitely not the best offensive situation to be in, though. Good for the Habs to have, like, a pretty decent-sounding third line. It, never, it didn't used to be this way, where we'd be talking about guys that could potentially be fantasy-relevant on the third line. But still, like, is Paul Byron on your radar at all? Uh, looking for next week. The Habs play Tuesday, Saturday, Sunday. So, oh, sorry, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, I believe. I got, oh, no, no, it is Tuesday, Saturday, Sunday. That's what I was thinking. Like, so I wouldn't grab him now, but maybe he could be a good, like, late week stream if you want to grab some for the last couple of days. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, obviously, Kakaniami is, he's young and he's got a lot of talent and he can flash that every now and again, too, even in that limited role. And Lekkanen's a guy who loves to shoot the puck. So, you know, it's not the worst spot for, for Paul Byron, but uh, he's not really on my radar. You know, if you if you want to grab a guy just to afford to, to fill some of your category spots, as you're saying, maybe in a late week stream, then, you know, you could probably do worse than him. Um, but yeah, I'm not rushing out to grab a player like that. I'm, I'm looking for a guy maybe who's getting better deployment who can also contribute with some of those peripherals. Yeah, that makes sense. But keep your eye on him, maybe, in a super deep league, obviously. Okay, uh, Brock Besser returned last week. He's back for your beloved Canucks after missing some time. He had two goals on six shots versus Vegas on Thursday, but no points in the other two games he's played. And in fact, Vancouver has been having some trouble scoring lately. Only five goals overall in their last three games. Do you have any concerns here, or is it just like a matter of time before Besser and Pedersen and company get back to making their fantasy owners very happy and raising the values of guys like Goldobin and Edler? Where we're saying like, hey, if they're going to be playing with Pedersen and Besser, good things are going to happen. It's been uh, not the best week for these owners aside from that one game where Besser had a couple of goals. Yeah, I got my Deaky Pete sweatshirt on, representing. Um, but yeah, so uh, Besser's looking good. He's you know starting to get his feet under him a little bit. Uh, the skating looks better. The shot looks better now that the groin injury appears to be resolved. Um, you know, the Canucks aren't very good. Uh, they're going to be there. You know, they, they've lost whatever it is, uh, pointless in 11 straight or something like that. Uh, they're gunning for another lottery pick. That's just the way it's going to be. They are starting to get a little bit healthy, so that should help them a bit. But um, there's going to be ups and downs. So there's going to be some nights where Pedersen and Besser put on a show and, and get big multi-points and, and you know, kind of add to that highlight reel that they've been building. Uh, and then there's going to be several nights where just nothing's happening for them. The one guy who's not getting a lot of ink, though, um, or a lot of fanfare is Bull Horvat. He's getting nobody to play with. Like he's playing with Tim Schaller's most common line mate these days, and he just continues to put up points. He's getting all the tough assignments. Um, he scored a nice goal the other night there in the loss, or the other day there against uh, Dallas. Um, so Bull Horvat, he's one of these guys that watch it. Even though the Canucks are playing poorly, he's still put up points. So uh, maybe one to watch if he's around. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think in a one year league. You're looking at, at Pedersen to be, you know, hanging around that 70-point pace and, and probably ends the year around that Besser 55, 60 points. Their real value is going to come once Quinn Hughes shows up next year and that, that top power play unit really starts rolling. And then two, three years down the road when when you're hoping for for monster seasons out of all those guys. So um, right now you just kind of go with the ebb and the flow and, and ride these guys. They're not, they're not anyone that you're going to drop likely in a one-year league, but 
uh, you're going to have to kind of take the good with the bad and check the matchups on each week. If they're playing a team like the Senators, then obviously, you know, get them in your lineup. Uh, they're playing a team like Nashville, maybe not. Right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, Bo Horvat, I'm taking a look here. 25 points in 29 games. He's been like under the radar. Amazing. You know, I'd be curious to know if he's still a free agent in any leagues. Like, I haven't seen him around. If, if if I did, I probably would be looking at his numbers more. He's just always been owned. And yeah, though, could we be looking at like a third line Bo Horvat in a couple of years? Like what if Vancouver gets a lottery pick, gets Jack Hughes, you got Pedersen, Hughes, uh, Bo Horvat. At some point, Horvat's value is going to tank if Vancouver keeps picking up these great centers. Yeah, you probably just put Jack Hughes on the wing if that if that happens. I think I think that might happen anyways for whoever lands him. That this this guy basically screams Patrick Kane to me with better with better skating. Um, and so Kane played the middle of the ice when he was at the at the development program in in USA two as a kid. So and he you know slid over. So um, I think that's be a, a good problem to have if you're Vancouver, but uh, unlikely. Right? Were you just like salivating a bit as I was talking about the prospect of Jack Hughes coming? <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, one other thing I wanted to ask you just came to my head. So you mentioned if Vancouver were to be playing Ottawa, you know, like a few weeks ago, we were talking on the podcast about how, like, how guaranteed is it that Pedersen's going to win the Calder Trophy at this point? Like, he was on fire. Saying, Unless he gets injured, like, who's going to beat him? Now, all of a sudden, like, Brady Kachuk is having this amazing rookie season himself. I believe he's above Pedersen in points per game now. Someone posted that on our Facebook group. Do you think this is, at this point, like an even race? Uh, what, what odds would you put on either of these guys winning the Calder? Yeah, I, I still think it's Pedersen's to lose. Um, I actually wrote like a, a I put a whole a chunk into my ramblings on Friday night into this, and I, I was getting razzed. Uh, one of my AEs there at Dauber Prospects, you know, the amount of articles I put up with that doesn't discuss Elias Pedersen is just a big fat zero. Um, so yeah, nope, uh, Kachuk, he he's he's playing well. He's bowling through guys. Um, he's doing it from kind of the second line and a split power play deployment situation in Ottawa, which is really impressive. So um, I definitely, I, I tend to undervalue the Kachucks. Um, so Matt coming out of London there, I was like, yeah, he's a good player, but he's going to be an agitating guy, probably a middle six player. He's been tremendous this year as a 20 year old. Um, he's been great his whole NHL career. And then Brady, you know, the guy scored you know, six or eight goals in the NCAA last season. And I had him ranked eight or nine on my board. And, and a lot of people liked him at two or three. And I was like, I just don't see the goal scoring. And here he is in the NHL and he's 15 games in and the guy's probably potted eight or nine goals already. So um, I keep undervaluing these Kachuk players, but I think the way that Pedersen's doing things and the way that he's kind of ignited even media across the nation, which is difficult to do on the West coast when, when half of them are asleep by the time the puck drops in Vancouver. But um, I think it's his to lose at this point, unless he goes on an icy stretch. Um, and the other guy that people, you know, two defensemen that no one's talking about really is Rasmus Dahlin. I think is right in that conversation. Uh, the reins are kind of getting pulled off of him now and he's starting to open up and do some of the fancy stuff that he can do. And Miro Heiskanen, you know, the guy's playing 24, 25 minutes a night in Dallas. He doesn't have the points, but he is a tremendous real life player. So I don't think this race is dead yet. I, you could tell that Cam's really excited about talking about prospects. You hear the table bangs means that Cam is really excited about the players that he's talking about. And, hey, this is your chance to see these young players in their first year. You got to get out and see these guys like Brady Kachuk and Elias Pettersson. Oh, by the way, what I was going to say before I continue with this amazing segue that I'm on is I think one big difference between Kachuk and Pettersson is Kachuk is playing with Mark Stone, who's been amazing and he's benefiting from the great deployment. Pettersson's the one, I guess, driving the offense on his line, especially with Besser injured like he was before. But okay, yeah, you want to see these rookies in their rookie year so you could say what it, i remember seeing elias Patterson back when he first joined the league and the best way to do that is to go to the game live and the best way to get tickets to go to see these games are by using our friends over at seeky who are sponsoring this week's episode as you all know getting tickets online can be so complicated there's hundreds of sites varying levels of reliability it's hard to know who to trust but you can trust seeky 
they're the way to go. They pull millions of tickets into one place. You can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person. And SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for great value. They sort their tickets by value. I really like the different ways you could sort the tickets to see like by price or by value, by this or that. Very handy. I also like just like opening the app and scrolling through, seeing like what's going on. Maybe I could do something like I'm looking right now for Toronto and I could go see a Raptors game. I could go see Cardi B. I could go see a Leafs game. Um, UFC is coming. Who knows this stuff? I'm just at home all the time, like watching hockey and, and browsing the scores on, on the score app. But this is a nice way to see what I could do if I do decide to leave my house and for good value. And there's even better value if you're a listener of Keeping Carlson because you could get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do to get that special offer is to download the app, enter the promo code KEEPING at checkout, and you'll get that $10 off. Okay, Cam. So we'll maybe get into some more rookies as we go through here. This is a fun year for rookies. But we're still on outjuries, and here's a player who's come back and not been as exciting. Jonathan Quick returned for the Kings on Thursday. He was okay, actually. He stopped 31 of 34 in a 3-2 loss to the Oilers. Calvin Peterson, on the other hand, like, he's been amazing in these past few games that he's played. Like, last week on Tuesday and Friday, he put up 970 and 943 save percentages, respectively. The Kings play Carolina tonight with Quick expected to start, though. I'd wonder, like, why not just play Peterson? He's been better, but obviously the Kings want to bring Quick back and get him going. But I'm curious so like, do, what do people do kind of like the same situation like I asked you with Petrie or with Kapanen like what do people do if they grabbed Calvin Peterson and he's been doing really well but now Quick is back do they just dump Peterson like thanks for the great production oh yeah same with Aiden Hill right like you've been doing well but now do I just let go or has Peterson done enough for the Kings to consider him a legit challenger to Quick like he's up to now a 929 save percentage over the nine games he's played that's not nothing no, it's not. He's been he's been very he's been playing very well. Um, I don't expect him to be a nine thirty goalie though. Few are. So if uh, if he if the ball was still his for a little bit longer, I expect he's due for a stinky night or two and, and watch those metrics dip down. Um, but when healthy, it's quick's net right now. Now the caveat is is that LA is terrible um, and they are not looking at gumming up anytime soon. Um, so you know they put up fourteen shots on goal against the Flames the other night. No, in, in the entire game, fourteen shots. Like they are bad. And Willie Desjardins knows how to coach a bad team. Like he spreads out offense. He plays a stifling defensive game. Like it is ugly out there. So when you're looking at a bottom feeding team that could be gunning for a lottery pick, when they're eventually they're going to have to just wave the white flag and be like, well, you know, we blew it. We're a cap team, but we're not getting any points. So let's just try to get a good draft pick. That's when weird stuff happens. Um, so. If some if this continues into the new year and if they keep Peterson up as the backup, then yeah, you know, if he's out playing quick, he could get more starts. Um, and I don't think that's too crazy to think. But at this point, I think it's quick's net and they're going to do everything they can to get him back healthy, kind of get the team rolling again. You know, Kopitar is starting to wake up. So I don't think they've they've really uh, you know, succumbed to, to being blast in the in the NHL. I think they're still looking to move up the standings a bit. But once once the uh, the inevitable sets in and that they're a bad team and they're not making the playoffs, that that's when some weird stuff can happen. So um, if you hold on to them, you know, you're holding on to a guy that's going to be riding your bench, but, um, you know, or you're dropping them and you're keeping them on your watch list and, and eyeing it up and, and be the, the one to grab them quickly if you start to get a few starts in a row. Nice pun. Quickly. I gotcha. Uh, so yeah, it's it's an interesting situation. And, and of course, something that's maybe not going to help them, though. It's not as if he's been, like Kovalchuk is injured. That's what I'm trying to get at, that if they are going to be trying to climb up the standings, they lose this guy who's supposed to be this big, exciting player that they just signed. We talked about him last week, I week, so we don't need to get too much into him. But he's out with an ankle infection, apparently like four weeks. So it's going to be a while. Obviously, his fantasy owners aren't too, too disappointed because he was doing nothing. I'm sure a lot of people were thinking of dropping him. Now they get to just stash him in IR for free. He, he had been bumped to even the fourth line for a few games. 
kind of reminds me of like when Matt Murray got injured and I wasn't like the most disappointed that I was able to stash him in IR in like a couple season. But hopefully, you know, Ilya Kovalchuk will take this break, heal, and maybe get his head straight if that's needed. You know, come on in and then be back once he comes back. So that'll be an interesting guy to watch if he's dropped in your league, like if he was dropped while he was doing badly and now he's IR eligible and you can stash him. Not the worst guy to take a chance on stash him in your IR and then reassess when he finally comes back. But like you say, like some people are waking up Kopitar and Dustin Brown, you know, both on fire right now. Hopefully you held on, you know, the bylo windows definitely over for Kopitar. He has nine points in his last seven games. So uh, yeah. And then with Calvin Peterson, it's, it's a tough one because I agree with you. Like they're going to play quick. I did see some rumors, but I guess you're not supposed to really trust these rumors, right? But maybe could the Kings consider trading Jonathan quick and go into a full rebuild? Is that something that's ever been on your radar? Is that like, for sure, that's not going to happen. Maybe no team would want him with his big contract and his injury concern. I don't know. Teams will pay for a goaltender if they think they can make a run, and that's the piece they're missing. And this is a guy who, you know, he's got uh, some 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 pretty good playoff experience under his belt. So um, I don't think that's the craziest thing that that's ever been proposed. But um, I just L.A. It's this team that they've been designed to still try to win, and so it's so hard to kind of pull the rug out from under it at this point. So uh, if anything, they'll probably just succumb after Christmas or, or sometime in the new year that they're bad and they're going to get a, a lottery pick. And then next year they're going to roll out basically the same team because they've got that core. They've got Kopitar, they've got Dowdy, they got Quick. So running down the middle, and now they've signed Kovalchuk, who, who's supposed to be getting an opportunity to play in the playoffs and play alongside Anze Kopitar. Um, so I don't know. I don't see them blowing it up and, and moving uh, John Quick. But it, yeah, it, you never say never, especially with goaltenders. It's such a weird thing. But they also don't have much value on the trade market. So I don't know. I, just to get rid of the cap to, to move Quick out, I guess maybe LA could be interested. But um, yeah, they're a bad team. Too bad for them. I like Kopitar. He's going to get his 65, 70 points basically every year, even on a dog team. Uh, so he wasn't going to get 90 again coming off that career year. So that the expected drop is here. Um, but yeah, he's, he's always one of these guys that you just kind of roll with and, and trust that he'll get his points. Yeah. And before this, like before last season, like Kopitar had a consistent thing where he would start slow and then get hot after a couple of months. And now it looks like that's what's happening this year. Don't want to jinx it. Good luck, Kopitar, as you keep going. And I'm a Dustin Brown owner in one league, so I'm obviously enjoying that as well. I, I could have drafted Shea Weber, and I think I instead drafted Dustin Brown as like my guy that I'm going to draft and stash an IR. Kind of wishing I did. Well, I don't know. Actually, both could work out potentially. Habs losing 2 nothing right now to the Sharks. And Eric Carlson has an assist. We're at the point now. It's kind of sad, but like I'm, I get very excited whenever Carlson has a point. Hopefully we'll get to a point soon where it just happens so often that it's not even an interesting thing. But I do right now get excited for Eric Carlson every single time. Uh, so still outjuries. Ben Bishop is back for Dallas. He was fantastic in the 2-1 win over the Canucks yesterday. People who streamed Hudobin may want to consider dropping him, though he's been decent himself. And like we said, he was getting decent number of starts even while Bishop was out. This is something we were talking about back when Bishop, sorry, was healthy. There was still a lot of times that Hudobin was starting. So if he was so Someone you streamed in while Bishop was out, you could decide about dropping him. I don't really have much to ask you about these guys, but uh, out of curiosity, like who would you like better between Hudobin and Peterson if you could only have one of them moving forward? Uh, yeah, Peterson. Um, like I said, just I, I think Quick is more likely to be injured than than uh, Bishop is, and LA is so bad that that's when weird stuff happens. So I, I think that Dallas is a good enough team that they're rolling with Bishop um, unless the the wheels really come all the way off. Um, but LA as, as a bad team that it could get funny, you know, in the new year there. So I, I, I go with Peterson there. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Higher upside as the potential guy that could get a lot of starts. Okay, one more goalie outjury, and then maybe we could stop, stop talking about goalies because they're so hard to predict. Mikhail Neuvert, he's the one goalie that's super easy to predict. You can always predict that he's going to get injured, but though apparently he's healthy now. He hasn't played yet. Anthony Stolarz got the start yesterday versus Pittsburgh. He played well, actually. He stopped 30 of 32 in a 4-2 win. Got to imagine that Neuvert will get a start or two next week. Philly plays Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Cam, do you have any faith in Neuvert at this point? Like a couple years ago, I remember he was challenging Steve Mason for starts. He was looking pretty good. It was looking like he was going to take over as a starting goalie, but he hasn't been able to play consistently and stay healthy for long enough to actually establish himself as anything more than a goalie who comes in every once in a while, plays maybe okay or badly, and then gets injured. Still, like if you're in a league where starting goalies are hard to find and Neuwirth is available, he's technically, I guess, the starting goalie on Philly now, at least until Brian Elliott comes back. So what are your thoughts on him? I don't trust him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not such an indictment on him. I don't trust any goalie in Philly these days. Um, you know, he, he, he wasn't bad last year. He had a 9-15 in 21 games. So that's league average. It might even been a hair above league average last year. Um, I think he's better than Stolarts. Um, but again, like you said, you know, as soon as you, as soon as you pick him up off the wire and put him in your lineup, if it's a weekly setup, he's going to go down, he's going to go on the IR immediately. So, um, yeah, I don't trust any goalie in Philly right now. I think they're all God awful. The team is porous. It's ugly stuff out there. Um, so unless you were in desperate need of a goalie start that I, I wouldn't really be sniffing around any of those guys too much. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Yeah, Neuvirth might have been a good guy to stash an IR back when he was injured. And then you could have like had him, had dibs on him and wait and see what happens when he comes back. But at this point, yeah, it's hard to justify dropping someone for him when he's might get injured right away or might just get blown up completely. Because you say like, we don't know if he still has it in him. Because also these injuries take a toll, right? And plus on a team like Philly, where like you said, they have a porous defense, hard to rely on him too much. But hey, Aiden Hill got a shutout in his first game on an Arizona team that was letting in goal. So who the heck knows what's going to happen? Maybe we're going to come back next week and Neuvirth will have just pulled off two shutouts. But okay. Let's go to uh, Skater, Outjury. A lot of players coming back. It's been a fun week. Uh, a couple injuries, but overall, a fun week. Andre Palat is back for the Lightning. He was there for the 5-4 win over Florida after missing over a month. He had no points, but two shots, two hits, one block. So he's kind of helping you in other categories. He did, though, have great deployment. He was playing with Stamkos and Gourd on, I guess, line two. And so I think that's a pretty good spot to be, obviously, playing with Steven Stamkos. Palat's had an interesting career. Like, he broke out with 59 points and 63 points in his first two seasons. But then he's fallen to around, like, a 55-point pace since. Like, some seasons closer to 50, some seasons closer to 60 what are we expecting from him going forward this year like last year he had 35 points in 56 games so that's around a 50-ish point pace do we think he can once again be like a 50 55 point guy or do you think there's any upside for more or maybe is it time to start feeling like he's not as good especially after all these injuries yeah he's kind of that classic hover around 50 point guy at this point of his career um i'm interested in him and he's in uh, going on a hot streak which he can do um, or if he's getting exposed to Kucherov and point, cause you know, I like Steven Stamkos, but the, you're, you're dead on there that that's the second line and, and Braden point and, and Kucherov are their role. And so that's, that's the top line. If you're getting exposure to them, um, plot wasn't seeing any power play time. I expect he's probably going to be on that second unit some of the time. Um, but if he's not getting any power play deployment, like even if he's playing with Stamkos at, at five on five, I'm not really interested. I don't see him playing at a 50 point pace at that time. A uh, little side note, Andre or uh, Nikita Kucherov is is rolling now. He, he was kind of the forgotten superstar this year a little bit, and he's got 20 points in his last nine games. So people that were worried that maybe he was being overtaken in the top five, that don't worry, this guy is he's back. And uh, I think Braden Point has a lot to do with that too. 
Yeah, Braden Point is so good. Kucherov is so good. So yeah, on that discussion that I tabled to the end of the season of is Math- Austin Matthews better than McKinnon? We could throw Kucherov in that discussion. We'll have a good time. Uh, but though, since we're on Tampa, by the way, they do play Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, next week. So if you wanted to stream in someone like Palat, you could get you know, three games in four days and then drop him for the weekend. Uh, some of the consider try to give some advice for people that are playing weekly leagues and wanted to stream some players in and out. One guy that you might want to stream out though, at some point, maybe after these next three games in four days, if he doesn't do something, is it time maybe to call JT Miller a snoozer? Like people drafted him expecting someone who's going to be playing with Kucherov and or Stamkos. But yesterday he found himself on a line with Alex Killorn and Anthony Sorelli. Miller started the year strong, but he has a mere one assist in his last five games. Seems to have been bumped from the top power play as well. So yeah, not an exciting Owen right now. I wonder, do we tell people to hang on because he might get back into good deployment to do something? Or can you let him go and try to ride another hot player that's coming out of free agency? Yeah, you know, if he's staying on the third line in the second power play unit, he's snoozing for sure. Because otherwise the production is going to be a bit of a mirage coming from those two spots. So uh, best case, I think that him going to Tampa was that he was going to get to play with Stamkos and Kucherov and probably be like a 60, 65 point guy. Uh, you know, realistically, things were going to probably end up hovering around that 45 to 55 point range. And, and he's kind of right in the middle meaty part of it right now. Um, so the guy doesn't shoot. Uh, he hits a decent amount. He, he's pretty meh in this deployment. So again, if if he finds himself playing with Point and Kucherov, then yep, I'm, I'm very much interested in Miller. Um, if he gets on that top power play unit on the net front, again, I'm, I'm interested. But uh, I said it last week, deployment is king. And so if he's not getting it, then then I'm not interested. Yeah, I hear you. So you probably have to know your league. Like, try to figure out if you were to drop Miller. Is he going to get grabbed right away? People are going to be falling over themselves to pick him up for his upside. Or will he just stay in free agency until he does something again? If it's the latter, then probably let him go. And like Cam said, deployment's king. Wait until he gets something that makes him worth grabbing uh one more out jury okay hampus lindholm returned for anaheim after missing a couple of weeks on friday he had one assist and three shots two hits two blocks another guy that's going to be contributing all across the board he played on the second power play but now montour has some competition for that power play one spot he's been actually pointless in three after a great run after lindholm and fowler went down and actually i wrote all of this before today's game anaheim and washington had themselves a game six five in the end for the ducks unfortunately john gibson got pulled early so he didn't get the win if you're, unfortunately for you, if you're a John Gibson owner. But uh, Hampus Lindholm, one goal and one assist. Brandon Montour, nothing. And they had pretty much even power play time. So I guess they were rolling a couple power play units p- pretty evenly. So yeah, like at one point, I feel like last week we were saying, or at some point, you know, you got to grab Montour. He's the only defenseman that's going to be getting big power play time with Raquel and Getzlaff and Co. But now Lindholm is back and I kind of like him. I feel like I've always liked him actually more than Brian. And especially this season, like because last year, he put up a pretty solid 37 point pace. He's pacing for even better so far this year. He had 11 points in 22 games going into today. So I guess make that 13 points in 23 games. Not too shabby. I think he can make a really nice defenseman ad. Like, you know, if I was saying before Eric Gustafsson might might be a good ad now, maybe forget him because he's been scratched. Hampus Lindholm, he's not getting scratched. And I think he actually has some offensive upside. Plus, he can help you in peripherals. I like Campus Lindholm. He he's a terrific real life player. Um, one that often doesn't get the credit that he deserves. So I, I think this guy, when he's healthy and throughout his early career, has played like at a near Norris Trophy ballot sort of level. So you know, top ten D man sort of thing. Um, he's never been given the top power play unit deployment for any length of time. Um, he did get fifteen power play points one season a few years back, uh, but again, he was still kind of up and and up and down on the first and second unit. I think if they did decide to run with him and let him do it. Um, all the time that he's a, he's a guy that could play at a 40, 45 point pace. 
Um, but I don't at this point see them running with him long term. So I think Brandon Montour is the more offensive player. He's younger. He has a really, really high upside. So I think the Ducks need to kind of foster that and develop that up. And so they need to continue to give him his chances. Um, I think Montour was on the top unit again today, even though they were playing a little split zone there. Um, you know, Nick Ritchie led led the team in, in power play time on ice today. So and he's playing on that second unit. So that I didn't watch the game, but that just kind of gives me that uh, that story. Um, I, I think Lindholm is a guy that, you know, one plus one today, that's great. Um, he's one of these guys that you can get him and he can put up some points for a short window, but then you can't hesitate when he, when he goes cold, it's time to just cut him off and, and send him back to the wire. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I, I think that he's like, he's solid, right? Like, I think you could have him on your team and expect that, let's say every three games, he's going to give you an assist and he's going to be solid for the peripherals. He's not going to be like a Will Butcher, who we'll get to next, who just completely disappears. Like, I'd be much more confident in Lindholm, even though, like you say, maybe he doesn't have that upside just because he's not getting the top power up with time and he seems to play a lot of defensive minutes just looking at this anaheim team though going a little bit off script for this episode like they've got some players that you might want to be looking at in your free agency like andre kasha if he's still available to assist today uh nick richie oh no points for him but like you said power play time silver yeah it's a kind of an interesting team right now i feel like i guess andre kasha really jumps out at me as someone that we were excited about when he came back and we mentioned him for a couple weeks so it's like no point just mentioning week after week after week but i like this guy andre kasha he's not playing on the top line or the top power play but he had a really good year last year, and maybe he's coming on. Maybe this is the start of something where in a year from now, Andre Kasha is going to be on everyone's fantasy team. Yeah, he's a good player. He's, he's one of these guys that I was, I was championing the Ducks for, for getting him on that uh, the extension that they signed him to in the summer. Um, I thought that he would get exposed to Getz off a little bit more this year, especially when Corey Perry went down. Um, he hasn't got a ton of ice with, with Getz just yet. But yeah, he's a, he's a really nice, again, a really nice real-life player who has some upside um, you did mention Nick Ritchie, he didn't get any points, but, uh, I, I'm interested in Nick Ritchie. So, uh, he was a, he was a high scoring junior player as a big bodied guy. So these power forwards, they take longer to develop. Um, but he's got nine points in 13 games. Um, he doesn't shoot much, but he hits a ton. Um, and he does have some soft hands down low. So he, he's, he was skating with gets off, uh, some shifts at five on five. Um, if he's still on that second unit, but if he ever finds himself on that top power play unit, then yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested in Nick Ritchie too. Yeah. Also, there's this guy Pontus Auberg who played with Getzlaff and Raquel today for a lot of the game, and he had two goals and an assist. So yeah, a lot of interesting guys on Anaheim, and that's one of those teams that has all those off-day games. Next week, I think they play Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So, you know, with Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, sorry. So Anaheim plays Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, and Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday are all three really dense days where if you were to add someone, that person would probably just be riding your bench in a lot of leagues. So you might want to look at one of these Anaheim guys, see who's available, maybe grab one for a stream next week, and maybe for a lot of weeks, because they continue to have off-day games almost every single week. Uh, so I brought up Will Butcher just before because he is a slumping top power play defense and just like Brandon Montour he was actually benched yesterday by the Devils for the 4-3 loss to Winnipeg seems fair only one assist and no power play points at all in his last 12 games even though he's been manning that top power play I feel like Will Butcher this guy's like a total snoozer right like especially in a league where you need peripherals like he was dropped in like a couple division I have no interest in adding him he uh, it's a complete dearth of peripherals from Will Butcher no shots no hits no blocks basically you're hoping for a power play assist or nothing at all oh man yeah he's snoozing for a bruising for sure so uh, <laughs> he's one of these guys that just he's gets the the sheltered cushy deployment last year and and all the offensive zone starts time all the all the great power play deployment and he was riding a nice high IPP and his shooting percentage was, uh, you know, a little inflated for the type of guy he is. Um, he, he's, 
he had a lot. I think I, I mean, I, 20 secondary assists last year. So those secondary assists are they're, they're hard to replicate unless you're a major point producer. So um, the writing was on the wall for this guy to, to come back down to earth this season. Now his IPP is at 23% right now. Last year was at 53%. So he is getting unlucky in that regard. At the same time, he's just not driving the play. He's not doing what he should be out there. And so I'm not surprised he got healthy scratched either because, um, you know, when you're playing a defenseman to put up points and that's it, like they're not looking for him to to hit or to block or to, to basically even protect the blue line. If he's not doing that, then he's not bringing anything to the team. So, uh, yeah, he, he's one of these guys that time to drop him. Sammy Vatnin's got that top power play unit role, and, and I think he's a similar type of player, but actually can play uh, on both sides of the puck. So I, I'd be looking at Vatnin. Wow. So do you think that this is it? Like, will Butcher... I was assuming it was going to be one of these things where, you know, he got benched to t- teach him a lesson, then he'll be back on his top power play next game. But do you think, like, now Sammy Vatnin's taking the spot? I almost feel like, regardless, people should be grabbing Sammy Vatnin if they can at a free agency, right? Like, obviously, Butcher- Butcher's loss would be Vatnin's gain. But Vatnin has been doing pretty decently all season. And like you said, he's great with the other categories too. Like yesterday, he didn't get a point, but he did have five shots through four hits. I prefer Vatnin over like, you know, Hampus Lindholm, if, you, if you're choosing between the two and we're looking at defensemen for next week. I seem to be building a potential, I guess, list of free agent defenseman ads. And uh, I guess right now it's Vatnin and Lindholm and Gustafsson. Uh, uh, do you agree with me that Vatnin's the top guy of that group? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I like Tammy Vatnin over Hampus Lindholm when he was in Anaheim too. Um, so he, he's a player that I think has 40 plus point upside or he can play at that pace anyways, when he's healthy. Um, I, I don't think that this is the end of Will Butcher. I think that you're right that they'll sit him and, uh, he will get another opportunity to, to dress and he will get another opportunity on that top power play unit at some point. And so if he does wake up and all of a sudden he's the Will Butcher of old, the, uh, you know, last year where he went on that great streak to start his career, um, that maybe he holds on to a little bit too. But uh, again, like I was saying, I didn't really buy into the hype with him last year. I thought it was unsustainable. And so what he's doing right now, um, probably unsustainably poor. So he's probably a bit better than he, that he's showing right now, but um, I think Vatnin's overall a better player and an offensive driver. So I, I think that uh, if New Jersey is smart and if things are working, that it'll be his Vatnin spot uh, long-term. Yeah. Okay. And so if you own Butcher in fantasy, time to let go. Actually, I'm curious to see Will Butcher, what his percentage owned is in the cupful. Definitely not 100%. He was dropped in my division. I'll check when you're answering the next question about the next guy I want to ask you about. So the forwards on New Jersey, like one of the worst nightmares of a Kyle Palmieri owner. You wake up in... Cold sweats, thinking, oh no, Jesper Bratt's going to take Palmieri's spot on the top line. And it actually happened for a couple of games this past week. And I felt so, like, I was so annoyed because I have Palmieri in one league. He had that amazing start to the year. And I was just thinking to myself, why didn't I trade him early on when he was doing so well? Now he's bumped to the second line. Thankfully, Palmieri got back on the top line yesterday. But still, like, it seems like that might be a bit of a tenuous situation because that happened last year for a lot of games where Jesper Bratt bumped Palmieri maybe and uh, New Jersey is just trying to spread the offense around. But we do have to talk about Jesper Bratt, by the way, because he was back with Zaka and Johansson yesterday. But he did well. Like First of all, he had one goal and one assist yesterday, and that put him up to nine points in his last 11 games. So maybe regardless of where he is in the lineup, is Jesper Bratt someone that people should be looking at adding in their leagues if he's available still? Uh, so I wrote about Brett last week in the ramblings when, when he was starting to get a sniff on that top line. So he just just taken Paul Mary's spot, and I was like, Hey, this is a guy that you like in that deployment, obviously, even strength. Um, he wasn't on the top power play unit, so I, you know, I, I sound like a broken record, but uh, until we're getting all the juicy minutes, it, it's everything's gonna be a little bit muted. Um, but playing with Holland Hisher at five on five, you're gonna get some points, and he had been doing well, as you said, nine points in 11 games. Um, back down with Pavel Zaka means I'm not so interested anymore. Um, so I'm not a big Pavel Zaka fan. 
And I think that second power play unit is, is, you know, a significant downgrade. Um, so I like Brad. I think he's a player who has some skill. He has some offensive upside. He's a young guy. He's got good speed. Um, that that spot on that top line could be his, uh, you know, in the long run. Um, he's, he's a, He's a little bit like Paul Mary, only younger, and maybe has a little bit more offensive upside. Um, so I like him in a keeper league. He's one that, you know, if, if you've got a minor system and you're holding on to him or, or you got a deep league. Um, but yeah, unless he's unless he's on the top line and or the top power play unit, then he's one of these guys that you're streaming in and out. Right. Okay. So Brat, someone to have on your radar because he might get on the top line and he has been producing lately, but don't expect him to be like a new fixture in your lineup that you don't have to worry about for a while. Paul Mary, though, Artag asked in the chat room here, is Paul Mary a snoozer? He was let go in my league. Yeah, his assist yesterday was his first point in five games. It's looking like, and he still has 22 points in 25 games on the year. So even after that cold streak, that just goes to show how amazing he was at the start. But what would you be doing as a Paul Mary owner right now? Or if he was dropped in your league, would you be jumping on him? Or do you think that he was bound to slow down anyways? Yeah, he was going to slow down. He's not a point-of-game guy, obviously. But no, he, I'd be grabbing him off the wire if he's sitting there. Um, and I'd be holding on to him if he was on my team. Because if you're getting exposed to Hall and Hisher at even strength and on the power play unit, that you're going to get some touches and you're going to get some points. And so he's a bit of the – he's kind of the grinder on that. He's the third wheel on that top line. So he's digging for pucks out of the corner and getting it out and stuff like that. So you're going to get some secondary assists. You're going to get some some tipping goals, some rebound goals. So uh, I like Paul Mary. I, I've always liked him. And he's, he's he's had a few years where he goes on hot runs where he can be a point-of-game guy for 15, 20 games. And he showed that again this season. Um, but if he can stay healthy and if he can stay on that top line, I don't see any reason why he can't flirt with 60 points. Interesting. Okay, yeah. So I would definitely hold on as well, and, and I am in one league. Now, unfortunately, I'm holding on because I can't sell him anymore. Maybe if he goes on another hot run, then I'll consider selling before he slows down again. By the way, I did look up Will Butcher, one of the few players in this spreadsheet that Marcus made where he's actually more owned in general Yahoo leagues than in the Cupful. 37.5% owned in the Cupful, 38% owned in Yahoo overall. So yeah, that makes sense. The patrons that are playing in the Cupful are starting to realize that Will Butcher is not worth owning, especially in a points league. Like I can imagine in a categories league, where you've got a specialist for power play assist or you're hoping so not that he's been that recently at all but like potentially he could help in that one category and be good you know just like a guy who gets you a lot of hits and nothing else but in a points league even if will butcher gets you a power play assist every couple of games that's probably still not making him worth owning when you add up how many points you could be getting from other players in free agency okay let's go now we're we've talked about a bunch of players who came back from uh, injury now let's talk about a couple players who got injured unfortunately there's both sides of playing fantasy can you imagine a league where there was no injuries you didn't have to worry about that it feels like it would be such a completely different game but it's so frustrating you can't you can't plan it's just like all of a sudden things get shaken up you have to deal with it right now people who own nashville players are dealing with it big time they're getting the anaheim treatment right now with injuries piling up all over the roster. Right now, Subban, Arvidsson, tourists they were already out, and the news just came out yesterday that Philip Forsberg is going to be out four to six weeks with an upper body injury. Like, these were the lines yesterday for Nashville. Nashville's a team that's usually so deep. Their lines yesterday were Johansson with Hartman and Fiala, Craig Smith with Kelly Yarncroft and Ellie Tolovanen. And by the way, I remember last year, Brian and I looked it up and made sure it's Ellie Tolovanen. Something like that. It was like Tolevanin. It's like an extra syllable. I want to get that in there. Uh, then like Austin Watson with Colton Sissons and Mika Salomaki. So this is not the deep Predators team that we're used to. That said, there is one player here that I was talking about. That obviously, I rambled a bit about too much that jumps out at me. And that's, of course, Ellie Tolevanin. He was the 2017 30th overall pick. He just got called up, put up a cool one power play goal and one assist yesterday in the win over Chicago 
Of course, it was against Chicago, so I don't know how much stock you want to put in that. But last year, I remember when Tolvanen got called up at the end of the season, people went nuts. Like, they fell over themselves trying to add him out of free agency, and he didn't really pan out. It was kind of disappointing. He was also like a playoff pool sleeper pick that didn't pan out. He was benched for a bunch of the games. Do you have Tolvanen fever, Tolvanen fever, Cameron, this time around, just like a bunch of people did last year? Should people be rushing to add him ASAP while all these players are injured? Eli Tolvanen. Um <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I was a I was a big proponent of Tolvanen last year. Um, you know, at the end of, of my ramblings on Dopper prospects, there I'd always save a little uh, a little line at the end of it just to update the ridiculous things that he was doing for Joker in the KHL, and and it was it was ridiculous. He was pumping shots on net, getting a ton of goals. Um, you know, he's near a point game player. He almost broke some some U twenty scoring records in the K there. He def- he did break the U nineteen record. Um, so the the kid has big upside. He had big upside heading into the draft. I had him ranked tenth overall on my board, and he slipped all the way to thirtieth. Um, there was you know there was some stuff about him not uh, getting into school at Boston College, and, and that's why he ended up going over to the KHL, and, and maybe that contributed to him sliding down draft boards, but. This is a kid who's always had a really high upside. Um, so when he came over, um, it was exciting for a lot of people that, hey, like this is a top team in Nashville and they're going to be adding a young, dynamic goal scorer. But it's like, where's this guy going to fit into this healthy lineup? And that's exactly what happened, right? So he got in a couple games and then that was it. And he ended up being kind of a black ace watching in the playoff run. Um, same thing happened this year. He came to training camp. Just uh, They're a healthy, deep team. And there's no sense in burying this guy on the third or fourth line because that's not the type of player he is. So, you know, he's been down there in Milwaukee. He's been doing pretty well. Um, and now that he's up and if he's getting top six time and he's on that top power play unit, which he is, um, and they're they're setting him up in his spot to, to tee up shots, then, yeah, I like him. I like him in a one-year league for this stretch while Forsberg's out. Um, I definitely like him in keeper leagues. I think he still has the big upside. Um, I, I'd be a lot cooler if they had uh, some better centers, healthy centers anyways in Nashville right now. But but yeah, for sure. He, he has the big upside. He's got the goods. He, he could go on a heater here, even just as a, as a young rookie stepping in. Um, so I like Elie Torvenen. <laughs> I love how you're saying that. We, we're in this together. Okay. And yeah, Tolvanen. Uh, so I think the player that we were most into so far of the potential free agent ads was probably Nick Schmaltz. Would you take Schmaltz still over Tolvanen if you're streaming someone in? Yeah. Yeah. I like Nick Schmaltz better. Okay, then maybe like Dylan Strome and Tolovanen are maybe around the same category at this point. Got to check out the schedule. But yeah, definitely someone to watch. Maybe grab him, see how he could do. I believe Nashville's playing on Monday next week. Like It's very hard to find a player that's not just playing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, then maybe Sunday next week. So at least you could grab him for the Monday game, if nothing else. Uh, and maybe if you want to grab Tolovanen, maybe you can't because someone else grabbed him. Maybe you're in a league that's kind of shallow where you're listening to us talking about him and thinking, man, like, uh, you know, like whatever. Like I have JVR available in free agency. Why am I going to grab Ellie Tolovanen right now but you can always get value out of learning about players like this if you play daily fantasy on our other spots for this week's episode which our friends over on FanDuel. FanDuel is a lot of fun it's fantasy hockey for everyday fans there's new contests starting every day you play whenever you want there's something for everyone there's lots of contests to choose from starting at just one dollar you just pick a contest you choose your team you watch your score in real time it's, it's a blast because you have to be smart. You get to, you have your budget and you're trying to fill up your roster. So you're going to pick some star players, but then you got to also be smart and figure out who you're going to spend a little bit of money on. And you're going to get a lot of value out of Tolvin and maybe one of those guys that you could stream in next week, uh, or I guess streaming. I don't know what the term is for FanDuel, but yeah, he's a guy that you might want to put in your roster as a value guy. Last week we had our weekly keeping Carlson listener FanDuel league and believe it or not, Frickin' Brian won, the guy who's like away with a baby, no time for anything, but somehow he had time to fill an amazing fan duel lineup and he won the whole thing. I did terribly because I spent 
like a 9,100, like a big money to get Devin Dubnik on my team. I thought against Arizona, I'll bet you that Dubnik's going to play really well and Arizona doesn't score many goals. Joke's on me. Arizona won 4-3. Dubnik gave me negative eight. Meanwhile, Brian played Miko Koskinen versus Dallas. Who you would think, I don't know, against Dallas, this Edmonton team is not so great defensively. Of course, Edmonton got the one nothing shutout. Koskinen's amazing. Brian got 42 points. Yeah, he, he cruised to the win. So congratulations, Brian. If you want to take on myself and Brian, help me take down the king Brian, you could join our weekly FanDuel Listener League. We play every Tuesday night. And if you just go to fanduel.com slash Carlson on like Tuesday morning, then you could fill out your team. And it's a lot of fun. I think usually Brian reads this thing. I think there's an offer here. You get a $5 deposit bonus also when you sign up. I think if you just go to fanduel.com slash Carlson and, and sign up from there, it'll all be set up that you don't even need to worry about a promo code. So again, fanduel.com slash Carlson. Come play and help me beat Brian next week. We just need one of us to do it. If Brian wins two weeks in a row, it's going to be terrible. Like he's going to make fun of me way too much. We can't let that happen. All right, Cam. So uh, we're still on injuries here. And here's an interesting one. So Michael Furland has a concussion. That sucks. No timetable for how long he'll be out. The most boring option I think possible took his spot on line one with Aho and Tovo Teravainen because Jordan Stahl got back there and Stahl is someone who was there all of last year. And, you know, he goes hot. Sometimes he goes cold. Never an especially exciting guy that you could just jump on and expect him to be worth holding all year long. That said, he could be a decent stream. Carolina only plays twice next week, but those are on Wednesday and Friday games. So you could grab him, let's say, Wednesday morning, streaming for two games on that top line, get something from him, especially if your league counts hits. Jordan Stahl is always good for that. What do you think about Jordan Stahl for the time being while Michael Ferland is injured and he's on the top line? Uh, yeah, I, I could see taking a run at Stahl right now for five or ten games if that's how long Ferland's out. Um, he's centering Aho and, and Tara Vine in there, so that's a good spot. He's on that top power play unit, and like you said, he's had a history of going on nice runs, and he can do it for five, ten, twelve games, something like that. Um, and then again, it's it's when it's time to cut bait, then then don't don't hesitate. Um, I think uh, I think that he has that potential. And if you're looking for a speculative ad, and they got the good uh, the good schedule for next week, then yeah, you, you could do worse than stall. Yeah, stall, stream him in, hope for the best. Don't expect him to be a guy that's on your roster all season long, especially once Furland is back. So I kind of did want to bring Furland up anyways, because he's kind of gone a little cold. He was pointless in three games before getting hurt. He's now down to 15 points in 24 games on the year, which is a 51-point pace, which is good, probably better than what we were expecting going into the season, but definitely no longer this like must-own. Like At the start of the year, everyone was like, oh my god, it was so brilliant to grab Michael Furland playing with Ajo. He was unstoppable. He was on a point-per-game pace for a while. He's really slowed down. And do you have any fear at this point, Cam, that maybe when Furland comes back, that top line spot might not be waiting for him anymore, especially if Jordan Stahl could be solid over there? No, I think it's probably his spot when he returns. Um, you know, he wasn't rolling before he got injured, but I think it would take a, a prolonged kind of dry spell for him to lose that spot because he has been good and he's, he's the type of player that fits well with Aho and Terabinen as two kind of smaller skilled players. Um, Ajo's the center, so he shouldn't be in the corners. And Teravinen is not a gritty guy, so Ferlin brings a, an element to that line that I think is needed. I think Jordan Stahl can add to that as well. But but uh, Carolina is a better team when Ajo's their top line center and Stahl's their second line center. So moving uh, Stahl up uh, kind of depletes their center depth a little bit too. So I do think it, it's his Ferlin spot when he comes back, and I think that he can, you know, once again step up and be. A- a guy that can play at a 50, 55 point pace and bring a lot of peripherals. And, and as he did at the beginning of the season, that line can get red hot. He can play above that even for stretches too. 
Mm-hmm, yeah. So right now, if you have Furland, you know, you stash him in IR, you wait and see. Hopefully he could come back and be good. It is a really good spot. Like, those are two great players to be playing with in Tara Vinen and Sebastian Ajo for sure. And I didn't want to talk about goalies, but since we're on Carolina and we just talked about these guys last week, but big news happened because Scott Darling was waived. Of course, no one claimed him because his contract is ridiculous. So he got sent down to the minors and Curtis McElhenney in the meantime has continued to be great. And so now at this point, I'd imagine Petr Mrazek will get a shot at some point to get some games in. But it seems like for now, with Darling being sent down, seems like a signal that Mick Backup has been promoted to Mick Starter. And this guy might be, I, I would say he definitely is worth owning in any league you're in where starting goalies have value. And he's also been really good. So he's not just like a starting goalie who will get you games. Like this guy's been playing well. Carolina, like we already had this whole discussion last week, actually. I'm like getting deja vu here, but Carolina should be a good team if they get good goaltending. And with Darling out, like in Morazic, you know, we'll see. But I think right now it seems to me, to, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to me like they're saying we're in on McElhenney right now. All aboard, man. All aboard the McElhaney bandwagon. So this is a guy that I like to cheer for, too. Um, career backup. He's 35 years old, but he was really good last season, and he's been very, very good this season. I think that, that Carolina made the right decision that, you know, Darling's got the stinky contract, and he's got the stinky numbers. Like, put him on the wire. McElhaney, like, that would have been the the kind of easier decision for a fan base to accept maybe too i I guess is is that you know this is a guy we plucked off waivers and now he's going back on waivers even though he's playing pretty decent um so i think they do still have a hope that morazic can get some playing time and and be a positive contributor on this team and hang around league average if that's possible but but right now it's yeah it's mcelaney and and so goaltending is is wild Uh, it's hard to predict but he's a guy that's been good for prolonged stretches now um, and, and I'm rooting for him. And, and like we said last week is that if they get a goalie in Carolina that can, that can hold the fort a little bit, then that's, that's what this team needs and they should be, you know, a playoff team. Um, so I, I like them. I, I'd be grabbing them off the wire if you knew goalie. Yeah, it's a very interesting situation. And I feel like, Cam, probably what they were thinking with who to send down, it's like we could wave Darling and guaranteed no one's going to take him. So they didn't lose anything. They could they could pull him back up if they want. If they would have waved McElhenney, he would have been signed. He's been great. Maybe the Leafs would go and get him back again. Though I guess Garrett Sparks has been a bit better than he was in those first couple of games. But yeah, McElhenney was good last year for the Leafs. He's doing well now. And yeah, not saying that he's going to be a guaranteed guy that you're going to love owning for the rest of the season. But for now, definitely you could do worse than Curtis McElhenney. Hey, right now in the couple, my two goalies are Craig Anderson and Miko Koskinen. Neither guys were ones I was thinking were going to help me a lot. This week, both were amazing. So there you go. That's goalies. Carolina not only waved Scott Darling, they also waved Valentin Zekoff. So I'm really glad you're here, Cam, because he's a guy who people were really into going to the season. A lot of people had him as a sleeper, potentially playing in the Carolina top six, but he was waved. He was claimed, unlike Darling. The Edmonton Oilers scooped him up. And now, I don't know, like, what does this mean for the Oilers? Like, they're not known to be a very deep team. Do you think he has the chance to have some fantasy relevance? Is he going to make the team at some point and potentially get in the top six? This is a team that's Alex Chiasson on the top line and top power play right now. So they have room for a good left wing. And we'll get to Chiasson in a sec. But what do you think about Valentin Zikov? Yeah, so um, so Zikov, he's a... He's a- a guy who led the AHL in goals last season and he got like 33 and 60 games. So he has goal scoring ability. Um, he hadn't, he hadn't popped a goal this year though. Um, so he was one of these guys that was kind of a, a sexy pick to be a breakout player playing on that top line in, in Carolina, which they flirted with in the preseason. Um, didn't work out. Obviously he, he hit the waiver wire. I felt that most of those bottom feeding teams should have put a claim in for him just because he has some skill. He has some upside. He's 23 years old. And you know, what's the, what there's no waste in grabbing a guy off the wire like that. So I applaud Edmonton for doing that. Um, he, if he can catch lightning in a bottle and stick on that top line, if he gets an opportunity, um, then yeah, he's got some fancy relevance. I think the more likely thing is that, you know, he maybe gets a look on the top line or next to Nugent Hopkins on the second line. 
He doesn't really work out and he ends up back on the waiver wire. Um, but again, no harm, no foul for Edmonton. They took a chance and, and maybe it does work out, but Alex Jason, you know, he's, he's getting the deployment right now and he's doing well, but is he a long-term solution next to McDavid and, and Dreisaitl? I don't think so. So I think it's going to be a rotating door and Chase on will, will hold on to it while he's doing well. And then when he's not, maybe Zykov comes back up. Maybe Kajula gets a chance. Um, hell, you know, maybe Yamamoto comes up from the minors, gets a swing up there. So Evan uh, is bad. Uh, we know that. And so bad teams will put players kind of that are in the middle ground in good opportunities and, and sometimes they can hit. So so he's one of these guys that I'd be, I'd be watching his deployment and, and see what happens. Yeah, like, he, like we've been saying for Edmonton forever, if he's playing with McDavid, he's worth a stream while he's there. So if Zekov gets there, there's a non-zero chance that he'll get there. And if and when he does, if you see on Roto World, oh, Zekov's practicing on the top line, grab him, stream him in, see how it goes. Play him on Daily Fantasy for like $3,000, which I think is the minimum salary on FanDuel. So, you know, a really good value pick if he's playing with McDavid. Right now, that guy is Alex Chiasan. And yeah, not only top line, but also top power play, playing with McDavid and Dreisaitl. And this isn't like at the beginning of the year where there was Ty Ratty with McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Now we're like with McDavid and Dreisaitl, the two best players. So an amazing spot. And Chiasan's been taking advantage, right? He has seven points in his last nine games. Plus, if you want more reason to grab Alex Chiasan right now, Edmonton has the best schedule next week they play monday wednesday friday sunday every off day so you're going to add him and fit him in to your roster every single day i streamed in mikhail backland for a game last friday he was great got like two goals or something it was was a really great stream but then i looked and i saw for next week in the cupful i like calgary plays tuesday thursday saturday i would literally not get a game out of backland all week so i dropped him not for alex chiasson because he wasn't available it was actually adam larson but like if I could have grabbed Alex Chiasson, like that's the type of drop I would make if you're riding the stream. Obviously, if you're thinking long term, maybe not. Though, who knows? If Chiasson does stay there, it's a great spot. But like you say, it's probably not going to last. But yeah, I would say not even a question. Like grab Chiasson while he's there. It's too great of a spot. Anyone, like any garbage player in the league, would get you a couple points in four games playing with Drysaddle and McDavid. I feel like next week. And of course, Cam, I hate to do this because you're such a brilliant guy and such a great friend of the show. But how? badly are you tilting right now after having dropped oscar clefbaum last week you talked about it on the show you were like oh guys you know actually i'm kind of done with clefbaum we literally finished the recording and then edmonton had a late game where he put up two assists and eight shots versus la but then you think ah they're la they stink like don't worry about that game then clefbaum went on to play three more games and had two goals and two assists in the three games this week so it goes without saying that if Clefbaum is available in your league, he's a must-add without question. Like, if he was dropped, now's the time to grab him. Just like, you know, I was saying about Chiasan, Clefbaum's playing the big minutes with McDavid and Dreisaitl and company. Uh, like, actually, if you're listening to this podcast right now and Clefbaum's available in free agency, I give you permission. Like, pause the podcast and go grab Clefbaum. That's my bit. Maybe you're rolling your eyes now. Like, this is too far. But but what do you think? Like, uh, Cam, we, we got it. We're changing our mind about Clefbaum now, right? No, absolutely not. <laughs> uh yeah no i you're welcome to everybody who picked up clef bomb or uh didn't listen to my advice last week to drop them um you you said it you said let, wait one more week let's see what happens um i felt like i'd waited long enough i'd already dropped him by the time the show we were airing it anyways but uh yeah he's doing well and he should he should he's he's got he's got the deployment he does he's got everything you need he puts shots on net he plays with McDavid at 5-on-5, he's on that top power play, and he should get some points. He should play at a 40, 45-point pace. Um, so this is a bit of a correction to where he should be, I think. So I don't trust him still. I don't trust you, Oscar Kleffbaum. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you're buying him right now and you're expecting him to be putting up, you know, some real points and playing at a 65 plus point pace for the rest of the way. And then, you know, more power to you, but um, yep. If he's on the wire, go ahead, pause the show, grab him right now. See if he can keep it rolling for a bit. Um, and then just be prepared to be disappointed when he goes ice cold yet still gets the great deployment. 
Yeah, I'm with you, Cam. I, I was expecting you to say something like that. Like, what you have to say in this situation is, sure, he's doing well now. I'd say sell high because it's not going to keep up. And actually, I I like could make fun all I want, but I actually did own Oscar Clefbaum at the start of the season in the couple. I didn't drop him. I traded him for Eric Stahl at one point, and it, was, it turned out to be a really good trade for me. Of course, last week, Clefbaum was really good. Stahl was really good also. Stahl's freaking amazing, but center depth and defense depth is a little different. Anyways, all that to say, I would definitely want Clefbaum in all of my leagues right now, but I do agree with you, Cam, that if, you know, people are now seeing him as, you know, like one of the top defensemen available, now's your time to maybe trade him for someone that could be a little bit more reliable because we have seen Clefbaum go cold, which makes no sense because Edmonton scores goals. He's on the ice, but he doesn't get the goals or the points for some reason. Uh, One more injury. Dustin Bufflin is out with a concussion for Winnipeg. There was a whole mess where I guess probably you've you've all heard about this. You know, he got hit and it looked like this guy might have a concussion, but somehow he got put back into the game and then it was announced later. Yeah, he has a concussion. He really shouldn't have been put back in that game. Hopefully nothing that happened during the game when he came back aggravated the situation. Regardless, Bufflin is now out for, I guess, an undetermined amount of time because that's how concussions work. Josh Morrissey back on the top power play. He scored a goal on four shots yesterday. Not a power play goal, but he's there. So he's going to be getting a great opportunity. Obviously, more minutes. Obviously, not at the level of Clefbaum, but I feel like Morrissey's also a guy that people should probably be grabbing right now if he's available while he's going to be manning the helm of one of the most offensive teams in the league. Yep, yep. I just took a look. He's got a power play assist tonight, too. Um, so yeah, he, he's a pretty decent replacement. It really sucks for Bufflin and for Bufflin owners because that was a, a clearly a concussion until they're like, oh, he passed the protocol. And then the next day they're like, yeah, he's just skipping practice today. No big deal. And like, oh, you know what? He's been dealing with the flu too. All right, screw it. He's got a concussion. Um, it's like, just say he's got a concussion. Like, what's the problem here? Like uh, insulate your assets, people. But anyways, um, yeah, so uh, I, I don't like that Winnipeg power play as much without Bufflin because he's got that huge shot and that draws some defenders into him and it, and it opens up lanes for the other guys and Wheeler can can distribute that puck around and really set up line A a little bit more and, and Shifley in the bumper spot. So I think it diminishes the whole power play a little bit because Morrissey doesn't have that weapon, um, but he does have some good vision. He can move the puck around a little bit. Um, so yeah, he, he's one of these guys, if he's on that top power play unit, as long as he's there, that he's someone that you can put in your lineup and I think you can reasonably expect him to get you know a point every two games. Um, and maybe even a few more uh, when they're rolling hot. So uh, that, that's a good spot for him anyways. Yeah, I, I was, I'm always surprised. Like Jacob Truba, I guess, is just never going to get the chance. So whatever, yeah. Josh Morrissey is your guy. Go and grab him. Truba has an assist today for what it's worth, but I definitely prefer Morrissey at this point. Uh, that's it for the injuries and the outries that I have planned. Got a bit of a lightning round for you here. So Cam, how about I'll just go through as many as I can, and you'll tell me when you want to stop and go home to your kids. So actually, I think we're going like very fast with this episode. The problem is we're not disagreeing enough. Normally when Brian's here, he says stuff, and then I argue with him. But right now, Cam, I, I, I don't know. Maybe we're both wrong, but I feel like we're, we're really on point this episode. We're getting it all right. Uh, this one is going to be hard to get wrong because I just want to talk about a couple line shufflings that have been interesting. And this one, like all these players are good, but Florida has shaken up their top six. They bumped Evgeny Dadanov to the second line in favor of Jonathan Huberdo, who's been promoted to the top line. Such an awesome spot for Huberdo to be playing in with Barkov and Hoffman. All three of these guys are on fire right now. I kind of feel bad, like Brian and I were saying on a, a couple episodes ago, I believe, how, or maybe it was even last week, like how Huberdo, like, okay, so there was the Trocheck injury, and then we were saying, okay, well, that's not great for Huberdo. If he's good, even though he's like doing amazingly, he's not showing any ill effects so far. But if he's going to be playing with like Bjugstad and Frank Vetrano for the rest of the season, you can't imagine he's going to be able to be a point per game guy. 
So if anyone listened to us and then traded him or did something, now you're regretting it because he's on the top line with Barkov and Hoff in such a great spot. And Huberto is playing so well. And now all of a sudden we have to wonder about the same thing about Evgeny Dadunov because now he goes on the second line and he was playing with Vetrano and Jared McCann yesterday. He still managed a goal and one assist. It's hard to be too concerned. He's over a point per game on the season overall. Is this the kind of thing we'll just keep shifting around or now do we have to start being concerned about Dadunov being in a bad spot? Or is this just like all four of these guys are amazing and they're going to continue to put near point per game point paces up for the rest of the year? No. Yeah. So we, we talked about it last week that, you know, Huberto was putting up tons of power play points, which, um, you know, he was on pace for, for 40 or something like this, which is elite power play production, um, which was unlikely to maintain throughout the year. And then losing Trocek would be a, a big blow to that second line and, and the productivity of it. Um, so I was a little bit worried about Huberto and his, and his value, you know, kind of sliding and his production sliding a little bit. Um, Back up with Barkoff in all situations, getting on that top line is huge. So yeah, I'm I'm right back in there. So I, I I keep saying it. So whoever's getting top line, top power play, especially if you're getting exposed to a guy like Sasha Barkoff, um, that's going to be massive. So Huberto, uh, you know, he's clicking at or above a, a point per game right now, and I think that that can continue with this deployment. Um, Dadnoff, he's a really quality player. He's still on the top power play unit, so and it's a good unit. Um, so I, I think that he still has the way. Uh, to get points, um, probably not at a 90 point pace though now. Um, but yeah, not not getting exposed to, to Barkov at evens. It, it's gonna he won't be thriving as much. So uh, the loss of Trocheck it, it runs deep in that Panthers squad, and you really can't underscore too much that uh, he he's a linchpin on that top power play unit, and he's he's the guy that shuts down players and and can set up and, and can produce as well in the second line. So um, I'm a little bit I'm you know it's it's basically it you swap Dadnoff for Huberto what we said last week so a little bit concerning that the power play production might slip a little bit because that unit won't continue to roll as hard as it's been and then you know Jared McCann is not a second line center um, so he's going to have to be Dadnoff will have to be the driver on that second line if that's where he sticks yeah so I've got Dadnoff in a couple of my leagues. I'm not going to try to trade him, but I don't know. Maybe I'll regret. Maybe he'll be like a Paul Mary for me where I'll be like, oh, why didn't I sell him when he was on a point per game pace? Maybe I should be thinking about it. I guess I'll give it another week. But then, you know, it's too late. He goes like two pointless games. Right now he's so hot. And I just love being on hashtag team dad enough. He was my guy that I called before he came into the NHL for that first season. And how can I let go of him now? I just love owning him so much. But I would, I'd prefer if he was playing with Sasha Barkov. Don't get me wrong. Uh, so yeah, you talk about this Trocek injury hitting that lineup so deep. Similar in Boston with the Bergeron injury, right? Because he's a huge part of that lineup. And now they've been shifting things around trying to figure out what to do to fill that void yesterday a guy named colby cave was playing on the top line with marshand and pasternak and actually colby cave picked up an assist versus the detroit wings his first point in the five games he's played so he's an interesting guy that maybe we need to get your take on i'm just going to run through some boston guys then you can say at the end if any of these guys are worth streaming in the short term until bergeron hopefully soon comes back uh, ryan donato was called up we all remember last year he came up at the end of the season and was amazing got right on that top power play he wasn't playing on the top power play yesterday from what i saw but he still did score a power play goal from the second unit and he also took six shots so ryan donato seems like the kind of guy when he's getting decent deployment can be a fantasy producer with the shots and potential goals also david backus a guy who i haven't thought about for a long time i might have even forgotten that he was around but he scored a goal yesterday and he was seeing top power play time with marshan pasternak debrusque and tory krug so of these guys i've mentioned are any of them worth a stream for you for boston next week they play tuesday thursday saturday sunday so not the best schedule just because tuesday thursday saturday are so deep but sunday and you know four games is DeBrusque still like the clear guy above the Colby K's, Ryan Donato's, and David Backus's, or do you see anything special about any of these young guys? DeBrusque is also a young guy. Yeah, I even though DeBrusque hasn't been rolling, I, I like him a little bit better. He, he's playing on the top power play unit, um, and he's skating with David Krejci at even strength. I think that David Krejci should be playing on that top line if it was me. I, I don't know. 
I know they want to keep Marshawn and Pasternak together, and when they split them up, both of them went a little cold. Um, but I think it makes sense to put Krejci with Pasternak and, and then put Marshawn on the second line with the Brusque. Um, but what the hell do I know? Uh, so, but I, I, I'm not interested in, in Cave. Um, what I want to know is where's Yan Kovar? Um, so this is a guy who you know had a couple of really strong seasons in the KHL, signed that contract with the Islanders in the offseason for a couple mil, and then got cut at a camp. Um, and he signed a, a professional tryout offer with the Bruins AHL affiliate in Providence. Um, then he, he was scoring at near a point of game in the AHL as he should. And they, they canceled his PTO and they brought him up. He's been skating with the big club practicing, but they haven't signed him to a contract. What, the, what are they waiting for? Uh, I, I mean, give this guy, give this guy a chance. He's a center. He can produce some points at the American league level. He's put some points up at the KHL level and they really don't have any depth. Um, so I, I did see something yesterday that they were going to make a decision on Kovar soon was the quote. Um, I hadn't seen anything today if that was the case, but, um, yeah, I, I think Yan Kovar should get a chance there. And if he does, I think he's probably going to skate in the top six. So he's one of these guys to watch if they do end up giving him a contract. Um, but yeah, Donato, you know, guy likes to shoot. He knows how to shoot. He can finish. Um, but if he's on the third line in the second power play unit, you know, I'm not super interested. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm never really going to be buying too much on, uh, well, David Backus, he's you know he's in that bumper spot on the top power play unit, so he might be able to get a couple of points here and there. But yeah, I'm not I'm not buying on him too much. Okay, yeah. Donato's the kind of guy that even in poor deployment, if he could just take a ton of shots, that might be able to help you in your league. Like, even if nothing goes in, if shots are worth a lot, he's the guy that kind of interests me. Though Jan Kovar would be very interesting if, like you say, he does sign because I feel like probably he's a better option than Colby Cave. Though to be honest, I, I know nothing about Colby Cave aside from I love the alliteration of his name. Uh, there's a guy on Washington named Michael Kempney who's been in the league a long time. He's a defenseman, and he went on a stretch of two goals and four assists in his last six games before today. Uh, so a bunch of people were asking about him, so I had to bring him up. But I already have a feeling I know what you're going to say. He, he doesn't get power play time. He's always been, I guess, more of a, I don't know, what do you, what do you call it? Like a lunch paler, right? Like not an offensive player. Uh, he's 28 years old. Today, Washington played, and they scored five goals. So you would expect that Kempney would have gotten in on one of them while he's on this run, but no... No points for Michael Kempney. He had plus one, two shots, 17 minutes. I don't know. There's nothing to him, right? Like no one should be grabbing him. If people grabbed him for this hot run, time to let go. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He can bring the peripherals, but the points, they're a mirage. That's that's not who he is. Yeah, that makes sense. But had to bring him up because I saw his percentage ownership spike on Yahoo. But yeah, don't expect that to continue. Man, this Washington team, though, they score some points. I'm telling you, I'm loving John Carlson. Maybe one of the... I don't know. It'll be fun at the end of the season to discuss like who's the best defenseman to own in fantasy. I guess Brent Burns has been this year, and then maybe John Carlson second. I don't know. Do you have a Do you have a hot take there? Well, I just want to say, what about Nick Backstrom? The guy's not getting nearly enough love this True. year. You know, he's been playing second line center for much of the season. He, he is up on the top line now, even though Kuznetsov's back. But the guy's got like thirty one or thirty two points. He's rolling. He, he's his worst season, I think, is sixty nine or seventy points ever. He's just quietly an awesome player, and I don't think he gets the respect he deserves. Yeah, well, last year he sort of had a down year, right? And by down year, I say he had 71 points as opposed to the 80-plus points he'd been having forever. And it seemed like over the summer when Brian and I were talking about him, we were thinking, I guess it's probably kind of over for him. Not over for him in terms of being fantasy relevant, but over for him being this amazing superstar because Kuznetsov seemed like fully slotted in to play with Ovechkin and Backstrom would, yeah, center that second line to be on the top power play, but maybe be more of a 65-70 point guy moving forward. But yeah, this year, obviously, uh, the Kuznetsov injury helped Backstrom get back to play with Ovechkin. 
But regardless, so you can't like, obviously a lot of it is him 32 points in 25 games. Now unbelievable. So you're right. We haven't been talking about him enough. Thanks for calling us out on it. Backstrom. Amazing. If anyone who drafted him got him like a really good value this year after a down year last year. And right now you're, you're loving life. So you're not saying that people should sell high on Backstrom, right? You're saying uh, you, you like it. You think you can keep this, keep this going. I mean, he might not keep a 95-point pace going, but yeah, and I, I like him a lot if he stays on that top line. But yeah, as we were talking there, I just sent uh, a message over to the buddy who owns Backstreet in my league, and I told him I want him. So let's see if I can uh, make a deal before the end of the show here even. Oh, that would be very exciting. A live trade. Yeah, keep us posted. But I, I feel like that's... Don't you like usually discuss these and like work it out for a really long... Do you ever like do these shotgun trades? You throw out an offer, you get it accepted right away? Yeah, you get all you get all antsy in the pantsy, and you just pull the trigger on a deal in like thirty seconds. It's very exciting. Often you can regret it, but uh, but yeah, it happens. It happens. Well, we got our chat room here, so uh, if you get a trade offer, we can discuss it. We can figure it out. In the meantime, let's talk about another group of players that they're not going to be available in free agency at all because they're freaking amazing. I'd be even curious to compare the Florida top line to this Columbus top line of Artemi Panarin, Cam Atkinson, and Pierre Luc Dubois. Another great week. For all three of them, they're now up to 27, 27, 25 points in 25 games, respectively. So all of them at basically a point per game or higher. We all know Panarin is for real. We don't need to get into him. My question to you is how good are Dubois and Atkinson? Like, especially Dubois, who's only 20 years old. His dynasty value must be sky high right now, putting a point per game in like his second season. But are there any fears for you that he and Atkinson would take a huge hit? Like if and when Panarin moves on to another team, like the word is that Panarin doesn't want to sign in Columbus. So he may be gone next year. How bad would like, how good are Atkinson and Dubois? And like, how bad would it be for them if they lost Panarin? It would be bad for sure. So Panarin is, is the guy on that line. He's a driver. Um, I think it would impact Atkinson probably a little bit more. I think he's the, uh, you know, the third wheel on that line. He has had uh, good runs two seasons ago where he, you know, he ran out with a point a game in the first 40, 45 games and then, you know, cooled back down to his 50, 60 point pace the rest of the way. Um, but PLD, Pierre-Luc Dubois, he is legit. Um, so he's got 70 point upside. He's a number one center. He's 20 years old. Um, he's got a little Ryan Getzlaff in him. So he's not probably a triple digit point guy in his peak like Getzlaff was, but you know, he's that heavy style of, of center. Uh, he shoots the puck more than Getzlaff does, but I really like Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, in his draft year, like I wanted him to, to slide to Vancouver. Um, and then when Columbus jumped up and everybody in the world thought it was going to be Jesse Pugliarvi, you know, finished GM in Columbus, you know, finish top finish uh, prospect coming up. And, uh, and they went with Dubois at three and left uh, Bugliarvi there for, for Edmonton. And, you know, everyone was chastising him. They're like, oh, Edmonton just got this gift. And, you know, he's looking, Yarmo Kekalainen is looking pretty smart right now. So, yeah, I, I got a lot of time for Pierre-Luc Dubois, but it's going to be hard for him to put up big, big points without a superstar like Panarin on his wing. And, and from all accounts, yeah, Panarin does not want to sign. When I was at the draft, um, you know, I, was, I got chummy with an executive uh, with the Blue Jackets and, and we were having some pops late night. And he, he basically he just fully said it like he is not interested in negotiating whatsoever with the team. Like he just doesn't want to be there. His girlfriend doesn't want to be there. They want to be on a coast. So either East Coast, or West Coast, they want a big city. They want the nightlife. Um, so money's kind of secondary. It's location and and talent on the team so it'll be really interesting to, to see what Kikalainen does with him this year because Columbus is a pretty decent team and, and him and Bobrovsky are free agents um, and so do they take a chance do they load up at the deadline and, and say you know nuts to it let's go for a run or do they sell a couple of soon-to-be free agents and and restock and you know the perpetual rebuild in Columbus yeah, that's such a tough spot like how can you trade Panarin when your team is doing well 
and Bobrovsky, of course. But like, but at the same time, like you don't want to lose him for nothing. This guy's a star. It's like you're like the Islanders with John Tavares here, but an actually good team. So yeah, rough spot. Maybe they should just move the team. I think that's the best scenario. Move them to a coast, and then Panarin will be happy. They can keep this going. Easy, easy solution. I like it. There's a, we don't have any listeners in Columbus. I'm sure no one would care if that would happen. They could go to Seattle or something. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, so since we're on Columbus, though, so you're saying Pierre-Luc Dubois is legit, but maybe he won't be able to keep this up. Seems to me like if you're in a dynasty league, eh, it's an interesting spot also. Like, if you had Dubois available to you in your league, would you be apprehensive of, like, sending a really great offer for him just because of this Panarin situation? I mean, it depends, right? So if you're sending a guy who is like 28, 29, 30, and he's a consistent 70-point guy, I would trade that player for, for Dubois because I think Dubois can play. I, I, I don't see any reason why he can't end with 70, 75 this season. Um, that line is, is very, very strong. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to move a player that has big upside and is in their mid to early 20s in a better situation long term than Dubois. Interesting. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I'm really curious to see what will happen. Maybe Columbus could find some other guy to replace Panera, and I can't even imagine who would be that's going to be a free agent that could step in. Well, what you got to think of it, if they do decide to move Panarin, is that in that package, they're looking for a young, dynamic player who who could maybe fill that role and be more cost-effective and be more interested in staying in Columbus. So, you know, the first person that came to my mind, but it's probably not going to happen, obviously, is if you shipped Panarin back to Chicago, they wouldn't be buying him this year anyways, but you get a guy like Alex Dabrinkit, right? So another winger, high-scoring guy who's got a lot of upside. So I'm pretty sure they wouldn't be selling Panarin for a bunch of picks and prospects. They'd be going for a young um, high upside player that could replace him, hopefully. Yeah, the Sens have like uh, Duchesne and Mark Stone that yeah. want to leave, but I don't think Panera, if he doesn't want to be in Columbus, I don't think he wants to be in Ottawa for those winters. Okay, uh, by the way, since we're on Columbus, shout out to that uh, second line, Boone Jenner, Josh Anderson, Nick Felino, all doing well, like not, you know, amazing superstars in terms of points, but like they're all getting decent numbers of points and all are great for hits. Like I actually haven't been watching many Columbus games, but as I was prepping for this episode, I was thinking, I want to watch a Columbus game and see like, how does this line, how do all three of them have so many hits? Are they just out there just running into everyone all game long? Do they take turns on who's going to be the hitter on a specific shift? Like, I don't know. It's really interesting that I, I, you don't see this too often, like three players who are decent. This isn't the fourth line, right? It's the second line. All of them are above a half point per game and they're all throwing their body around a lot. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's good for the, for the multicats. Those guys banging around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Boone Jenner is someone that we were left for dead. Like, you know, no one was really that into him. He, like, really was disappointing. But this year, doing very well. Anyone who grabbed him is really enjoying it, especially like a points league where you're getting points for all the carriers or, you know, just a regular multi-category league, especially now that he gets points every once in a while. Speaking of bankers, though, if you're in a league that counts hits, then you have no excuse to not know who William Carrier is at this point. He is a guy on the Vegas Golden Knights, and in 28 games so far, he's racked up 139 hits. That's five hits per game on average. And he's even scored a couple goals in the last four games, but that's not here nor there because that's for sure not going to continue. He plays like 10 minutes a night. But I mean, in fantasy, it's hard to find like reliable production on any category, especially in free agency. But like, this is a guy, it seems like you could set your watch on you're going to get four or five, maybe more hits game in, game out. My main concern with someone like William Carrier long-term would be that there's a couple of injured forwards on Vegas, like Howla and Stasny, and maybe uh, Carrier will get bumped at some point and scratched once they're fully healthy. But for now, it seems like he's playing and yeah, obviously no offensive upside here, but watch out for William Carrier when it comes to these hits. Yeah, that's about it. You know, the guy, he definitely throws the body around, but when they're healthy, it's it's difficult to see them, you know, scratching Belmar or something like that who plays in the middle of the ice. Um, yeah, I think his spot in on the roster is a little precarious. So, you know, if you can get him in there and you can fill up the hit categories and, and all the power to you and then just be prepared if he's a healthy scratch. Yeah, for sure. We should also mention uh, Jeff Petrie just scored a goal. So maybe he's not dead yet. 
Uh, is this going to be a cleft bomb situation? We talked about how like forget about him, and now he's going to go off. He doesn't have the top power play unit, so probably not. But you know, if the guy starts running hot at five on five, then if you got him, sell him. Uh, right. Oh yeah. Just a reminder, like Petrie's like not someone we're saying is like totally useless, right? Like especially with these multi categories, he still is like the second best defenseman on the team. Like there are teams who have been known to have two defensemen that can be fantasy relevant. So maybe he can be one of them. Just hard to expect him to keep up this amazing production he had at the start of the year. But yeah, please don't like drop drop Jeff Petrie in a league where like defensemen are super hard to find and you're adding I don't know big nobodies off of the free agency wire and then complain to us after that we told you to drop Petrie. So send us a message. Tweet. I always get nervous. Like tweet it us and like ask for permission before you're going to drop him for like some nobody. Uh, okay, let's end the show. Actually, we have a question in the chat room. Reminder for JVR. Matt really wants us to talk about JVR and since he was kind enough to come like, so what, what are we saying about JVR? He's been, he's been cold, right? This is on the fly stuff. I'm bringing him up now. Yeah, so uh, Philly, I did see that they shifted around their lines and Voracek got bumped to the third line recently to play with. Uh, I don't even know, but JVR right now has four points in nine games. Not great. Hasn't been what people were hoping from him. Uh, Toronto, you know, he was like taking all those shots, scoring all those goals. It looks like one, two, three, five pointless games in a row for James Van Riemsdyk. No shots in his last game against Pittsburgh. That is, uh, uh, yeah, that is concerning for sure. One shot in the game before versus Ottawa. You think in a game versus Ottawa, JVR is going to be throwing a bunch of pucks at net. Yeah, something to be concerned about. I don't know at what point, and he's not on the top power play, though I think he was in the last game. Again, we're doing this on the fly. Can't save me. What are we going to say about James Van Riemsdyk? I mean, I, I think you give him some leeway. You give him some rope that when he's still, you know, adjusting to getting back. Um, I don't like that he's not shooting the puck a lot because, you know, this is a guy that usually averages three shots a game and he's done that for years now. And he usually hovers in, you know, the 10, 12, 13. He scored at 14.5% last year. Um, so he's a guy who knows how to put the puck on net and knows how to finish. So we've all seen it, right? The things that he does in front uh, on the power play and even at even strength. So he's a high percentage shooter because he's about an inch from the goal line most of the time and he can get the puck up and, and under the bar in a hurry. So, um, you know, I think he was playing on the on the second line with Patrick and Simmons. And, and you're right, Vorchek was sl- slid down the lineup, even though Vorchek's actually kind of waking up a little bit. He had a, a couple of points last game, I think. Um, the the power play units, you know, so he, he I'm looking at, I'm on daily faceoff right now, and it says that he was skating on the top unit. Um, so I, I'd have some patience for Voracek or uh, for JVR at this point. Um, and and yeah, give him give him, give these guys a little break when they're coming off of injuries too. Right, it takes a little bit to, to catch up. And and so if he's snoozing a little bit right now, I think if the deployment stays, that this is, could be a good kind of buy low opportunity. Grab him off the wire, you know, audition for another guy who might be rolling a little bit better, but doesn't get the good deployment, um, something like that. Yeah, also, I wonder if there'll be a coaching change. I think, though, after the GM change, I was saying they're going to give as a hack stall like until the end of the season to figure things out. So I don't know. Yeah, they, they, you know, people were calling for Haxel's head last season, too, and it never it didn't come to fruition. And then this year when they, and they canned uh, Garth Snow, they said that they didn't even consider firing Haxtell. Um, I was like, okay, I guess. Uh, I, I tweeted it out there. It, it happened you know, pretty close together that Edmonton, you know, they fired their coach and kept their GM and Philly fired their GM and kept their coach and the two teams just swapped what they did there because I, I kind of liked what Garth Snow was doing in Philly and I hate what Shirelli's doing in Edmonton. So I think both teams got it wrong. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, Edmonton, how can you blame the coach when they trade away all these great players? But let, let's not get into that because that's just the coldest take at this point of all time. Uh, let's, in terms of saying that Edmonton's made bad trades, of course. Uh, okay, let's uh, end the show. I wanted to bring up Carl Soderberg because like, I feel like I've seen him do well like every single week and I never bring him up on the show because I just want to be like, I know Brian's just going to say like, forget about him. He's not going to be able to keep it up. But at this point, like, do we have to start at some point taking Carl Soderberg seriously as a fantasy option? Like he's in the middle six in Colorado 
but he's up to three goals and seven assists in his last 11 games. So almost a point per game recently, 18 points in 26 games on the season. That's a 57 point pace. Eight of his points have been on the power play, even though he's not on that amazing Colorado top power plays on the second power play still has eight power play points, which is wild though. Maybe that's an indicator of something that's not sustainable. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, what do you think about this Carl Soderberg guy? Like, at some point, we have to start recommending that people stream him in, right? Maybe even Adam long term. Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's one of these things that he, he's what he's doing isn't sustainable. Um, but it's good if you have him in your lineup while he's doing it. So if you can stream him in and, he, and he's putting up the points, then great. Um, but yeah, no, he's not one of these guys that I'm, I'm looking to grab and hold on to anyway. So, you, like you said, third line, second power play deployment, his eight power play points, like that's unlikely to continue a second power play unit doesn't really usually put up too many points maybe a guy's lucky to get eight all year um especially a guy like carl carl soderberg yeah and also colorado is a team that runs that top power play so often whenever they can because it's so amazing probably one of the best power plays in the league so it's pretty wild that he's been able to get all these power play points from the second unit uh, i guess since we're on colorado uh, tyson barry's been out this whole week with a very annoying day-to-day injury especially if you're in a platform like yahoo or sorry like espn where they don't really have this ir plus concept and they either throw you an o to be nice or you're stuck with them just day-to-day and you can't stash them or anything so i've been dealing with that very annoying sam gerard jumped on the top power play he's been a great ad for anyone who got him barry skated today so i'd imagine he's going to get back next week so maybe it's going to be time to let go of sam gerard so just a heads up there not really any uh, advice here aside from yeah once barry's back probably gerard loses some value maybe you drop him maybe you grab your hampus lindholm or your cleft bomb if you're lucky enough out of free agency your gustafson if you think he's going to get back into the lineup cam that's all i got for you this week Thanks so much again for joining, filling in, being a substitute teacher. You're not a substitute teacher, right? In your real-time job, you're a full-timer, right? I am, yeah. Okay, but here you came in, you took on my lesson plan, and you executed it perfectly. And yeah, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure everyone appreciates it. Everyone who's listening, take out your phone right now, tweet at hockey underscore Robinson, and be like, great job on keeping Carlson. You killed it, and we love you. And if you really love Cam... You can support his Patreon, where you also get a bunch of great perks. Cam, do you want to go plug yourself and all your great stuff? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Patreon. Um, so we got a bunch of good, uh, smart people on there that bounce ideas off each other, and there's different uh, different tiers for the support. So one of them is you can harass me day or night sort of thing on private messages for all your fancy hockey questions, or if anyone's uh, you know big into the draft, I give uh, I give the group a sneak peek into my rankings and. World Juniors are coming up, so doing lots of radio spots and more podcasts, and so they all get pumped onto the group as well. So, um, yeah, it's just a collection of people that are, are looking to help kind of support me through this while I, you know, spend most of my days teaching and then most of my nights doing hockey stuff so I can squeeze a little bit of time with family in there, I guess, too. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate uh, you having me on these last couple of weeks. It was a lot of fun, Elon. Yeah, and we'll try to get Brian back next week. I've talked to him. We might need an extra week. But I'll talk to you after. Maybe we could find another person, Cam. Maybe you've you've done enough. But okay, we'll talk after the show. But yeah, thanks again, everyone, for listening. And yeah, so what have I said? I think I've covered it all, right? Follow us on Twitter at Keeping Carlson. Follow Cam at Hockey Robinson. Uh, support Cam on Patreon. Do you have a link for that Patreon? Uh, it's uh, If you do Patreon Cam Robinson, you'll find me. It's Crazy Joe DeVola Scouting is what it's uh, the handle on it, though. Okay, Crazy Joe DeVola from Seinfeld. Crazy Clown. What's the clown's name? Paglia- Pagliacci? Oh, the Pagliacci was the uh, the opera that they were at. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm there on the Seinfeld reference. Uh, we have a Patreon also, keepingcarlson.com slash patron. If you're interested, you can uh, join our Facebook group. We do a monthly show. A lot of fun perks. You can check that out, keepingcarlson.com slash patron. A uh, five-star review on iTunes. Always appreciated. If you don't mind, you're, you know, you're on the internet. You got your phone out. 
throw us that five-star review. Helps us out. Costs you nothing. Okay, with that, I'm going to queue up the outro music. And I, again, just like last week, I'm totally blanking on the credits, which I know normally Brian reads. Uh, but Dauber Hockey is obviously the main site that I use to do all of my prep and Dauber Prospects. And I'm sure Cam is using all of these sources as well. So, yeah, thanks again, everyone. I've said that like 20 times now, so it must be very annoying. So why don't I just end the show and we'll catch you all with our next regular episode next week. Peace. Peace.